the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, we're back with you here at the State Capitol, third floor, House side, and we'll start it off today. Paul Calvert is here with me. Uh, Robert Steinbach will join me in the uh, the next hour, and we got a lot of things to talk to him about. I got one specific piece of legislation I got to talk to Paul about, but earlier today, unbeknownst to me. The governor was going to have a presser, and I had no idea that he was having a presser today until I was carrying on a conversation with Ryan Norris from Americans uh, for Prosperity, and he said, are you going to come to it? And I went, what presser? (laughs) And uh, he was going to it. I had some things that I had to do, so I just said, why don't you join me at 2 o'clock and bring us up to date what went down. He said he would, and he is sitting here with us right now, so with that in mind, Hello, Ryan. How are you? Are you are you waterlogged yet? Uh, no, not yet. We we can handle a lot of them at AFP. Uh, today was uh, was it interesting? Uh, and again, thank you for for having us on the show. So, uh, it was an interesting day hearing the press conference. Um, the idea being about highways and highway funding. We knew that we were going to anticipate this as an issue this session, and then when you had uh, the Senate Bill 211 to be put forward for income tax decreases, you had some people balking about their votes in the Senate because they wanted to see the highway funding first. They're even bigger over in the House. Right. Have you been told and that? Yes, and over in the House, we heard the exact same thing. Now, for us, we love to see a pure uh, pure tax cut, which we thought to, you know, C-211 is being and, and want to keep it that way because, again, in and of itself, in the absolutes, it's good legislation. It cuts, cuts that top marginal rate. But that did put uh, highway funding, you know, that it was going to be coming soon. So uh, hearing the press conference today was really interesting. The $300 million plan preferred by the governor. Um, new taxes are proposed in it, about $58 million uh, in a three-cent tax to gasoline and six-cent tax to diesel, and $205 million in the renewal of a half-cent sales tax. Um, you know, they'd say, you know, it's our, you're already paying that. Well, it was supposed to sunset. We voted as the people to sunset it. So this will be re-upping a brand-new tax. It's going in a new direction. This isn't the same. Just because we're accustomed to the degree at which you're heating up the frog in the pot mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, uh, that we're not going to feel it. Uh, and then a um, $35 million coming from casino dollars and fees on fuel-efficient cars. Now, it's AFP's position that government has a scope. It has things that it does for us, right, Dave? I mean, it does. And we should be thankful for all the things that it does for us. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Paul would have a, have a different uh, perspective it, but on that. But you, you weren't listening close enough to... I heard the sarcasm. Okay, thank I heard you. the sarcasm. <laughs> but what we have to, uh, to ask as citizens is, okay, within that scope of what government's doing, is it doing it efficiently, effectively... And, you know, is it doing it because it's the will of the people? And I know there's lots of times you sit out there and you, you have conversation and be like, hey, 
how, what do you think about roads? And naturally, people are kind of pessimistic about things. But, oh, man, roads, yeah, we, yeah, I guess we could improve them. But, you know, again, there hasn't been anything that's really come out that we've seen. that No no sales pitch today were saying that the quality of our roads was extreme, you know, it was to such an extreme that it warranted all these new constructions, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, right. So, so what we're saying is, again, government has a scope. Tax taxes for roads, yeah, we can get behind it, particularly if they're use taxes, you know, even like on fuel. But the question is, is do we really need them? And the has has government exhausted all alternatives before it got to this point? And that's what I have in question because in this proposal is zero reforms. There are zero reforms about the way we're going to spend it, uh, spend the money. There's no additional oversights. Um, particularly in the area of turnback funding, you know, in by law, fifteen percent of every dollar, fifteen percent will go to the uh, for roads. Will fifteen percent goes to the city? Fifty percent will go to the counties. So you've got thirty percent that go out, but are not audited by uh, by legislative audit. So nobody knows nope. where the money's going. Right, whether it's being spent on those roads or not. And the examples that were brought up today that really brought this to the forefront of my mind is examples about a flat tire and rim damage on a pothole in Fayetteville. I sympathize about that, but that's part of the turnback funds, which I'm told is $88 million of this overall package that would go to either the city or the county. And there's no oversight whether that pothole that damaged that tire and rim is going to be get fixed. fixed. Yeah. You, you know, and the same thing regarding um, rural roads. It was brought up rural roads and the farmers out there that are have combine equipment that are that are uh, unable to be sustained by the roads, the rural roads there. Well, again, that's part of that 88 million, and you can't guarantee me that the money's going to go to those. And why can't they? They could if they wanted. If to, they wanted they? to pass it, they could. But what happened has happened is is. During, particularly during the the 50s and up into the 70s, counties move and cities moved a lot of their roads off their books onto the state rolls, into the state budget of, of highways. And, like Highway 10. Yes, and so that leaves us Arkansas, who you know we're not the largest state, we're not the wealthiest state, but we're 12th largest in our highway system. Okay, you explain this to me. You explain this to my listeners. So. We're 12th largest highway system. Over 16,430 miles of state-controlled highway that we're responsible for. We can stretch that highway from here to the Antarctic and back and still have a little left over. So that's a lot of road. We need to look at some reforms of potentially, uh, you know, reforming the, the turnback funds. You know, is 15% too much? Are they really, you know, maybe they need 10. Or it could be that just knowing the, that we're oversighting it and that it is being spent legitimately on roads and not maybe on bike paths or bridges or some, you know, can walking, walking trails, bridge, tra- walking trails, those kind of things. Um, but allowing legislative audit to actually audit those local and county funds to make sure they're going where they need to be. If if this was set up in any other way that we're taking state funds and giving them to another entity, even if it is, you know, in this instance, a local or a county government, we would be apoplectic about, well, who's spending that money? How are they spending that money? And now it's just kind of, it goes out there and... We don't know all that much about it. And when you look at uh, a recent report that came out from Arkansas Center for Research and Economics on transparency of county governments, we've got a lot of improvement to make in the way that we report our finances, particularly at the county level. 
And so I'm, I'm not here advocating and saying that, that, that it's all bad, that people are totally misspending, but we don't know. Well, that's the key. You don't know. They might be. Right. It could be. It could be. Because if you, you know, talk to folks from the counties, uh, legislators sometimes will, will say this. People that are activists with AFP often say this, that, that they see at times that turn-back funds are used for other projects that are not specified for roads. And so you just don't have a way of, of auditing that right now. So a quick reform could be letting legislative audit oversight that and make sure that they are spending that way. Um, and then possibly return a percentage of the, the roads, you have the 16,430, a percentage, you know, maybe 10%, go 1,600 miles, you know, kicked back to the, uh, to the counties or to the cities. That'd be like 22 miles or something roughly divided by 75, mm-hmm. you know, that would need to go back. To get it off the books, that means there would be more resources from the current tax system for highways to go towards new construction if we needed it, which, I mean, with 16,430 miles, where can we not get to in the state right now? So so here's a question. How do we determine how many miles that we've repaired? Is filling a a pothole... A full mile of repair, or is it what? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not quite do sure. They, do they have they that stuff that. calculated out so that we'll know what's being done? Well, I mean, that's not proposed specifically. I would think Department of Transportation has some kind of report that they have regarding See, that. And but I'm not sure. Assuming is a dangerous thing <laughs> to do when we're talking to government. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because you hear and it's been said before that there's over five billion dollars worth of projects that are that we need for roads. That's an entire budget for us. You know, we, we so the state budget controls about what five point five billion. Five point five billion. And you're talking about we need a whole budget to go towards nothing but roads. And you know we already have some of the highest uh, fuel taxes in our region outside of I think Tennessee, and and so we need to take a look at that and and come up with some reforms. So what I would like to see is prove to the people, you know, don't don't just listen to to um, the you know. <laughs> you know li- Listen to a wide. Listen to citizens, not just people who are representing interests, but listen to citizens and hear them out, and about what they need and what they want, and then have some courtesy to actually sell this to them as something positive. For example, you know we've had a hundred and fifty, and now about to have a, potentially another ninety-seven uh, million dollars in, in income tax cuts. But if we're going to be increasing by these amounts, renewing that 205, you go 58 million on the the new uh, gas tax plan, more money coming from casinos and fuel efficient cars, that's going to wipe out all of the income taxes that we've done over the past, you know, the past five years. Revenue neutral. <laughs> and so th- the question that that comes up again is. Ha- I think government does a does itself a disservice by number one, not you know, go to the 
people and say, this is why we really need this. And then have the courtesy of at least talking out the alternatives with the people, not the interests, but with the people. Mm-hmm. In business and the way we operate, if we're going to engage in something, we say, well, what what's the, the alternatives here that we can line out? And then which one will have the... The low, the lowest contribution of our t- time and resources for the maximum effect. That, that, I think that's an interesting point because if I'm just, if I'm trying to decide if I want a new truck, what are the alternatives to buying a new truck? Mm-hmm. Walking might be one of those alternatives. I, I might accept that, but I, I think I actually want to want to be able to drive. Or maybe another alternative: I buy a used truck. Mm-hmm. And I, I accept something that's a little less than ideal. But because of the cost difference, I'm willing to accept something less than perfect. Right. And I think a lot of taxpayers are willing to accept less than perfect in exchange for, for not paying everything they make to the government, right. which is kind of what we're up against. And, and some of these things, like, like some of these things, like you mentioned, they want $5 billion to fix all their problems. Of course, if we gave them $5 billion, they'd probably want another five <laughs> in a couple of years because that didn't fix all the problems after they turned the, the, the roads into um, gold-paved thoroughfares. Right, right. And so to to that point, highway safety was brought up. And so it was spoken of that highways are the trucker's office, you know, and so we need to have it all, you know, taken care of. And, and so they're fine with a six cent diesel tax. But again, this is in an this is an industry that that's a manufacturing input. That's six cents. That means that they that six cents gets passed on to you and me and Paul and everybody else who purchase products that are shipped via those shipping for you know freight lines. So again, it comes out of the pocket of the people, uh, even if it it seems to be okayed by the industry. And yes, we want safe roads, but it's the you know it's trucking in- interest. It's the truckers that are often the ones who create the greatest amount of uh, damage to our roads. Right. So, so if I went in, Paul, and mm-hmm. and I have an office, you know, which I say the road's their office, and I destroyed my office and then asked Dave and Paul to pay for fixing it up, mm-hmm. that doesn't make much sense. Now, it, it does to you, though. It does to me. If all I know is I'm just passing on that cost, but the people who have in that have. Uh, that get paychecks, that are employees, you know, the vast majority of our Kansans. This is going to come out of their pocket in the terms of a three-cent increase to gasoline, and then the cost that would be absorbed by the industry, say trucking in diesel or even in farming when they purchase for, for theirs, that gets passed on to all of us in our food, in our services that they may provide by that, or in the, in the products that they ship to us. So, Ryan, then the problem is a simple one. You know, I'm all about tax cuts, and I like what the governor has suggested that we do, cutting the upper rate and what he's done to cut the middle rate and what he's done to cut the lower rate. But what good is that is if you're cutting all <coughs> excuse me, all those rates but raising the taxes everywhere else? Yeah. There's a wash somewhere, and then you end up in a negative and not a positive. Right. And if you run the numbers, if people are running numbers different ways, but... The, the best the best numbers are showing neutral, but the numbers that are probably the most accurate are showing that we've actually potentially increased in the amount of tax revenue coming out of the pockets mm-hmm. of our Kansans. All right. Keep your thoughts. Let's come back. We'll continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, you can learn the little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. <clears throat> 
It's from David Lucas of David Lucas Financial. He's the host of the David Lucas Show right here on 101.1 The Answer. David's a published author. He's uh, right here in Little Rock. And this free analysis is going to reveal the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. So get this free analysis and be... You know, one of the first 10 callers to get that analysis right now. You call 501-653-6690. 501-653-6690. Again, 501-653-6690. Make that call right now. Yeah, back with you, third floor, uh, house side. We are here Monday through Thursday, and we'll do so this week. I won't be with you Friday. Got a... Uh, medical appointment i gotta get how often does your doctor say hey dave come on in we got a test that we want to run on you and it's your birthday oh uh, thanks so much doc i really what day's your birthday friday really the mine's 15th. uh the 13th oh is it yeah so you're wednesday huh yeah and my uh, my grandson is sunday huh, look at and that. my other grandson is saturday well happy birthday so we got dave. a lot of we got a lot of birthdays coming <laughs> up yeah Happy birthday to you. So you're going to be how young? Hitting the big 4-0. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to be 66. This is the, the oldest I've ever been. I'm a, I'm a quarter of a century older than you are, <laughs> man. I've made a few more circuits around the sun. Bottom line is, uh, yeah, my birthday's on Friday. i got to take a, take some time off. So uh, Robert Steinbach is going to fill in for me. So he'll be in on Friday. But the bottom line is, is that we're here Monday through Thursday right now. Now, as we get closer to the end of the session, the politicians will be here on Friday, too. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we make sure we're here as well. So we want to keep everybody up to date on what's going on. Uh, so are you happy with what you're kind of seeing here, or are we hoping that more they're going to go back to the table and think about this a little bit more? I'm hoping for some more thinking. I, and I just, I really think, um, you know, th- I'm a citizen, just like everybody else. You know, uh, this is my first real rodeo in this position at AFP. And what I've always thought is I wish that our government officials would spend a little more time saying, here's how we thought this all through. But we have too, too many of those, you know, let's create a panel, let's get a working group together. And, yeah, some great stuff can come out of those. You know, they can. But I don't think there's enough of that connect of, like, here was the problem, here were the alternative solutions, and we found the one that best fits you. You know, and uh, – and, you know, who's representing the citizens at the table? It should be the elected officials. That's true. But then you also have interests that are influencing those elected officials. Mm-hmm. They're not the constituents of, the, of, of that, you know, of maybe of that, uh, that district, but they're going to be there talking about it. That's where AFP comes in. We want to be the voice for the constituency. We're the, we, we want to be the people's lobbyist, and we try to, to, have princi- to live by principles that affect everybody equally. And so uh, if anyone's interested in uh, contacting us at AFP, you can, go, you can email us at infoar at afphq.org or uh, give a uh, call to our field director, Pam Hooper, at 501-813-6386 or on Facebook at Arkansas AFP. And hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. We, we want to represent the people that don't have a voice. And... 
that's what we do on a daily basis. So I'm hoping that through, I know that you give us opportunity to speak about these things, and I'm glad because not everyone can fit in that press conference room down there. Yeah, you're right. My, my biggest concern is as I hear all of this, we're going to expend X amount of millions of dollars. Well, that's fine and good, but let's have that transparency uh, that that we've talked about. Right. And and that is, tell us where and what roads you're going to fix. Give us a time frame when they're going to get fixed. Right. You know, I, I don't think that's asking too much of your government. Right. Particularly in, again, going back to the turnback funds, it should, it should be, it, the fact that we're not oversighting turnback funds through legislative That's audit scary is just crazy. And let me let me put it this way. Transparency is for government. Privacy is for individuals. Thank you. Are, are, Go, are you sure? Yes. That's, that's, the that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to work. So even though it's they, somebody's gov- confused about that. So so government needs to take step up at the state level and and put forward a proposal to to start auditing uh, these uh, these turn back funds. All right. All right. So we're waiting for the Senate to vote on the freedom of speech bill today. That should happen. We haven't heard anything about it, but we should see that happen today. Uh, and if it passes, which I expect it to do since it came out of committee unanimously, and when you come out unanimously and two of the members are Senator Chesterfield and Senator Elliott, you figure it's going to pass pretty close <laughs> to a, unanimous. Probably pretty fair. Out. Probably a pretty fair barometer. It, it really is. And then uh, we had Dan Sullivan on last, not Dan Sullivan, pardon me. Uh, we had the uh, representative from uh, Jonesboro, who was that was with us uh, last week, who will be carrying the water for that bill in the House Education. Um, I couldn't, I can't think of his name right It wasn't now. Sullivan? Yes, it is Sullivan, because I was thinking of Douglas. And, and that's not who it is. It is Sullivan. Representative Sullivan. So Dan Sullivan's going to carry it. That will be at 10 o'clock, I believe it was. It was on Friday at 10 o'clock on tomorrow, Tuesday, in okay. the House Education. And he expected it to be on the floor on Wednesday wow. and then passed on Wednesday. And then we'll have to find out when the governor's going to sign it into law. And I get to go to that. Wow. I'm excited about that. Uh, been working on it for two years. I just want to. I just want to watch him sign it. That's the key, and see what he has to say about it. I know this much. Been a lot of sour pusses in the education uh, committees, looking at uh, no more, uh, you know, freedom of speech areas on campuses, except that the whole campus will be freedom of speech. They can shut down the freedom of speech. The way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be. You know, you, know? You, want, you want as many voices to be to be in the conversation as possible. Yeah. You and, know? and look, I'm not looking just to help conservatives out. I'm out to, ha- to, to help every American citizen mm-hmm. out. I yeah. want them to be able to say what they they have to say, and whether people accept it or not. And that's one of the that's one of the things about liberty is it's not always pleasant. No, it's, it's, not. it's sometimes kind of messy, and that's okay. 
because the fact is that you know I don't like cussing, but I don't think it should be illegal. <laughs> I, I I don't like a lot of things, but a lot of those things I just don't I don't think they're illegal because they don't violate my rights in any way, and that's just part of it. Now, do you believe that you should be able to be caned if you cuss? No. Okay. I'm just checking. <laughs> only, well, by, only by your ch- children can contain their par- their sorry <laughs> parents can cane their children. I suppose. <laughs> I'm just. Just checking on With, you, within within reason. All right. Our our special guest uh, during this first hour of this week is, of course, uh, Ryan Norris from Americans for Prosperity. Uh, if you did not know, the governor had a presser today, and he spoke to uh, the printing, the print press, and the TV press, and the radio press, and he uh, spoke about what he wanted to do about highways. And I'm not totally sold on what the governor wants to do about highways and what I'm really not sold on and something you we've touched on and maybe we need to talk more about and that is what's happening with that turn back money mm-hmm. you know half of it going to the county and half of it going to the cities and nobody reporting on where it's going to when it lands in those particular pots right and so 15% of uh, of every Highway dollar goes to the county. Fifteen percent goes uh, cents goes to the um, the cities, and then there isn't really any oversight on that at all. Now you said that's about forty four million dollars. They're talking, yeah, about forty four to, to eighty eight million dollars. Maybe if you take it together, it's going to be eighty eight million dollars okay. of this proposed that's a plan. A lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and we need to know that that it's being used for the intended purpose of fixing these potholes and improving these roads. And uh, I think that citizens need to, I mean, if $88 million, uh, that's a big amount of money for us in Arkansas. Now, that Okay, now this is over a two-year period, or how long is this going to well, be? Well, this is, say? I think the way that this is well, structured is like uh, annual. Okay, yearly. Yeah. Okay, so it would be, I know people, some people don't say I'm out of my mind. But I don't – you said that a lot of times, and then you came back and said, I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, but here's the bottom line. if Let's say each of those entities is getting $44 million. Why, why would it be so difficult to have a list of – if they fill potholes, where were those potholes? You know, and how much stuff did you have to use to fill those potholes? And what was the cost of filling those potholes? Right. Now, you have to look at the, the potential that if you started getting down maybe too deep into the weeds, that the bureaucracy would overwhelm any cost savings you could potentially find. But there does need to be the ability of uh, of the state to use legislative audit to see where those tax dollars are going. Because just like we, we looked at the... Uh, the general improvement funds, and we all went crazy over the amount of dollars that were being spent and in different and crazy ways. Well, here's another place to where it goes down into a black hole, and we're not guaranteed that we know where where well, it went. If, if nothing else, it might be nice to know, well, how much was actually spent on asphalt? Yeah. How much was spent on the stuff they used for filling in the potholes? Yes. And, and how much was spent on dump trucks and this, that, or the other? And how much was spent on new bicycle trails or mm-hmm. flowers for the for the medians or, or shovels yeah. to lean on <laughs> <laughs> yes or shovels to lean right. on and were they made out of gold yeah you wonder sometimes but I mean are we talking 300 million dollars for a year yeah I believe that's what they're saying because it's a, it it calculates up to a lot of money over the, the course of this plan my god think about that 
300 million a year that means over three years a little over three years you're up to a billion bucks already now this could be yeah I'll, I'll go back and look at what the time frame was on this but I'm pretty sure that this these I mean this half cent sales tax the uh, the 205 million uh, the the new revenues these are going to be ongoing things on an annual basis now these don't sunset. they don't have a sunset on them so these I believe are calculated in annual dollars okay so what you have and people need to understand this if it's annual then if they're just fixing highways that's one thing it's totally something different if you're building new highways mm-hmm. and then you've got to because con- a lot of people forget about this if you build it you've got to repair it right that means you're increasing the amount of money you've got to pay on on highways in the future yes yes and so that's what's interesting about the proposed new constructions. I understand going through and updating some of these old bridges, etc. Uh, they even put in there that they would be spending some of this money on uh, low traffic areas. And I'm like, well... How low? Yeah, I mean, how and low? And why? And then if they're so low, should those, if they're state, then maybe they should be turned back to the county to oversee it or the municipal... That, and that, and that's, a, that's a factor because if their traffic is very low... It's not reasonable to spend a lot of money on them. One of the reasons why we still have some gravel roads is, in part, I think, because they're low-traffic roads. And that's right. that's all you can justify if there's only three or four cars going down it every day or even a, a dozen or so. Right. How about a dirt road and you just grade it once in a while? Well, and, th- and that might be the, the only – that might be all the more you can justify when the traffic is very low. Yeah. Because it ends up being almost like a, a private driveway. Well, when I when I was hearing about the the new spending and reading about it uh, in the plan for for new construction, I was thinking of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You got to build bypasses. Yeah, there you, <laughs> you go. know. And the plans for it had been you know buried in a you know off site location for several several years, and they just like, well, hey, why are you doing this? Well, we got to we got to build bypasses. And don't we have to move somehow within the highway department? So that we know how much money a certain project is going to cost, that it, it, you don't come up with a plan, and then a little bit down the way on the plan, the plan keep continues to get more and more expensive. I thirty is a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have those cost overruns all the time. To where, I mean, they come back and say, "Well, we were fifty percent off." You know, mm-hmm. in our estimates, or we were twenty five percent. You think about that. If somebody, if you asked a company to build you a house, and they quoted you a number, and you go, "Well, that fits my budget," you get halfway. And then it. they get to you, uh, you know, quarter of a way through, and says, "Well, you know, we've decided that it's going to cost another extra ten percent." And then they come back to you at halfway through and say, well, another 15 on top of that. So now mm-hmm. we're up to 25. And before it's all over, they're 40% over what they told you. Right. You would be having a cow. Right. Well, you might be going bankrupt because you can't finish your house. Well, what do you uh, think's happening in the government? Well, they, they, <laughs> they can collect more money because they can force it. I'm just saying. It, it, 
This well, is, is kind of crazy sounding to me. That's why I, I go back to reforms. I mean, there, there has to be reforms in the transparency. That's what... Uh, as a citizen gives me pause on these kind of massive projects and massive plans is that alternatives were not presented to me going, Hey, this is, you know, this is the top. Here's another place that would be adequate. Here's something else. For example, you know, I understand folks want new construction, uh, sometimes in their districts because they view it as, as, you know, Economic development. It's our time. You know, it's economic development. Well, that's not what roads are about. Roads are supposed no. to be following traffic for a very important purpose. You end up with roads to nowhere, you know, that are... Well, and it's a form of crony capitalism. Like, because the fact is, you know, if I own some property right where a road's going to go, that might, might mean my property goes way up in value. And so I can maybe lobby my representatives to, well, we're going we're gonna to put this bypass right and just in the right spot so that my property value quadruples. Yeah, it could be that, or it could be some legislator says, yeah, let's build that there, and then he goes and searches out the people that own that property and buys it from them, from them <laughs> knowing that the cost of that property is going to go right through the ceiling. Could be. Th- I say that because it's happened a lot. So, so what we see here is that in talking about this as citizens, there can be different incentives for doing something that seems to be in the public good. Mm-hmm. And those those incentives don't necessarily have to line up to the public good, you know. And that's why we're asking for, we need more transparency. We need the ability to see how are these decisions made, and then what are the alternatives. Don't just say we met with a bunch of brilliant people and this is the idea and this is it's either this or nothing. Come up with alternatives. That sounds like elitism to me. You don't want to be a tyranny of experts. That's exactly because, right. Because, you know, sometimes they get things wrong. We don't like that when it's at, at, you know, D.C. talking to us. And we shouldn't like it when, you know, it's our capital here in the state talking well, to us. A lot of times these, these experts are not experts. It's it's Experts get you killed sometimes because they <laughs> actually don't know what they're talking about. They just have numbers and letters behind their name. And... Yeah, I think you're right. Where are the second? Where, where's Plan B? What is okay, it? Okay, so let's ask you straight on then uh, about this. Uh, when we come back, we've got to take a break. When we get back, I'd like you to tell me: Are you talking to you know some uh, you know politicians out there mm-hmm. and asking them to bring up legislation that we've been talking about? We'll talk about that when we come back. We've got about 12 minutes left. With Ryan Norris, he is the uh, state chairman of AFP here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're on the third floor, house side of the Capitol, and we're keeping our eye on what's going on during the uh, general session. All right, so let's finish up here now with Ryan Norris, the state director of AFP. That's Americans for Prosperity. And uh, he's done a really good job, I believe, uh, during this last hour letting us know what exactly uh, the state government is looking at doing about roads and what it means for you on a county level, what it means if you live in the city, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we're talking $88 million just for those two uh, with this particular bill. But on getting more transparency, Ryan, Mm -hmm. um, are you talking, I won't ask if you are who, but are you talking to different people about coming up with some legislation because... 
look, they can file right to the very end to bring this kind of accountability to the, this kind of material. Yes, I've had conversations, good conversations about this. The, however, with any kind of discussion on transparency, those that would have the light shined on them tend to not want that to happen. What a big surprise! And so again, you know, your your county governments and city governments usually push back on the state elected officials, and they have some sway there. But you know, they represent organizations of city or state government that could be mobilized to have quite a few people that work for them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what has to happen is that the people have to want the transparency and want the reform great in a greater number uh, of contact than than those that would lobby against it are. So that's why Americans for Prosperity is someone that we that you can do business with as a citizen. We're the citizen's voice. We believe there's people who have voice and those that don't. We want to give those that don't thought that voice to their government. Um, but we're having those conversations. So you reaching out and letting your your um, elected official know that, hey, if they're going to be increasing gasoline taxes on me and I live in these counties and I live in this city, I want to know that those dollars that I'm paying in for allegedly better roads are, are making their way to where they need to go in my county and in my city. I mean, that's just a no-brainer, Ron. Yeah. And that, that should be for every citizen in this state. You all are paying money for all of this. You should know that your money is going for what they tell you it's going for. Right. Now, they pulled this kind of bait-and-switch stuff on you before. Remember when they come up and they go, well, we need another uh, 1% uh, sales tax because we need to go out and hire 26 more uh, patrolmen. And then, they, and then they get the money and they hire 10 more patrolmen. Mm-hmm. They don't get 26, they get 10. Mm-hmm. And then you start wondering, well, where did the rest of the money go? And you right. never hear. Right. That's right. got to stop. It, it does. I, that's why I go back to the idea of transparency, the ability to oversight, and that government needs to start showing that they have really done their homework. Not just saying, we all met and we think this is what's best for you, but going through and say, here was the alternatives. What are the alternatives that you prefer and which ones do you like? I mean, we have the ability to communicate more than ever uh, in our society, and they could set it up to where more participation happens with the citizen, not just the, the interests, but the citizens. Uh, they're the ones who are going to be paying that three cents uh, on on every gallon, and then they're going to be the ones whose goods and services will be increased because the freight companies will be paying the additional six cents a gallon on on diesel fuel. So no matter what happens, no matter who, where they shift the money around, it's coming out of a citizen's pocket. Yeah, it's coming out of your 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 wallet. You're paying for all of it. Well, <laughs> You're that, paying for all of that's it. That's why I always say, whenever these people are in session, keep your hand on your wallet. <laughs> just <laughs> I mean, sew honest, your pocket shut. Yeah, and the other thing <laughs> is, cut them. just because they tell you they're putting money in one pocket. Make sure you're checking the other pocket that they didn't take the money out of your other right. pocket to just move it up over. Right, and that's what seems to be the issue here is that we're going to have had these last uh, three sessions, uh, counting this one, of potential tax cuts in income taxes, but then an equal or greater amount is going to come out in sales taxes for um, for our uh, in gasoline 
or in the additional fees to the to the cars. Right, and that's like what that. they mean whenever you hear them say it's going to be revenue neutral. Yeah. That's exactly what they mean. Or, or it's even just a bait and switch. Well, they're going to we're going to cut your taxes. Oh, but but we're going to give you the opportunity to vote to raise your no, it taxes. Sounds nicer if they say revenue neutral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. All right, Ryan, I appreciate you hey, coming by. You're a good friend of this show. I hope that you consider us a good friend I of do. AFP. Anytime you got something that you need to get out to uh, our listeners. I've got a microphone for you. Appreciate it. I'll see you more this session, Dave. Okay, we're looking forward to it. Let's take our break coming up. we got uh, State Representative Brant Smith going to stop by. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, open carry, right? Open yeah. carry okay. well, uh, coming up. We'll find out all about it when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks for letting me. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. We are live at the Capitol. Uh, this is Paul Calvert. I'm sitting in for Dave Ellswick. He's actually um, out. I stepped away for just a second. I have Brant Smith here with me. We are going to talk to him about his resolution on the House side. Can you help? Thank you for being with us. Well, it's a privilege to be back with you and uh, to talk about the uh, resolution. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, basically, the title and subtitle says to clarify gun rights in the state of Arkansas. That's all it's about, mm-hmm. to clarify, right. bring clarity to the, to the laws that we now have. And so that that's the sole purpose. Right. Because we, we have over the, what has it been, six years since that was passed, Act 746? I think so. It was, think uh, it was, was it 2013? I think it yeah. was 13 when it, when it happened. And since then, we've still had people getting arrested or having their guns taken away. Just It was just last summer, I think, there was a fellow just a few miles from my house that his gun taken away from him. And then when he finally got to court, I think it was about three months later, they, they gave it back to him. He was found not guilty, I think is what the ruling was, because he hadn't he hadn't broken the law in that regard. And so there, there wasn't anything to charge him with and, and no reason to keep, the, keep his gun. And, right. Um, so I think I think you're right. We do have a problem here in this state with certain government officials who are either confused willingly or or otherwise. Well, and I think the the concern that a lot of uh, folks have right now is, and I've been told this. I've not seen any litigation or any uh, filings, but there is starting. There's going to be a lot of litigation against. Uh, local police departments or sheriff's departments mm-hmm. that are taking into custody, maybe stopping or intimidating take, people. In, well, and, mm-hmm. and you know, that I don't even want to use that word, but I'm sure it, they do feel intimidated. Mm-hmm. But my resolution doesn't really... Uh, it just helps to clarify because it's a, that's, decla- that's it's a it. declaration by the, by, the, by the House of Representatives to just just kind of help people recognize that this is the law and we recognize it and paul you know the democrats tried to use phrases like your resolution is going to muddy the waters and my thinking is the waters are already muddied Mm -hmm. it's time that we recognize the law for what it says in the state of arkansas and move forward right so and i think part of the problem is that some people might say well there is no law on the books that says you may open carry or conceal carry for that matter the fact is, that's not how we write laws in, in Arkansas or America in general. We don't write laws telling people, you can do this. We write laws telling people what they cannot do, and then we punish them for, for breaking those. We don't have a law in the books telling me that I can tie my shoes. 
Therefore, I can tie my shoes. I don't need a law on the books saying Paul Calvert can tie his shoes on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Yeah. Well, and, and this resolution is really all about common sense. Right. It's a... Yeah, and right. so that that's why I brought it up. And, you know, I got pounded pretty good by the Democrats. And, uh, unfortunately, the committee, the House Judiciary Committee, kind of descended into some chaos. <laughs> that was a little bit interesting. But, I saw that. Well, and today I spoke with the chair of the committee, uh, Representative mm-hmm. Dalby. Uh, Carol Dalby. And she basically informed me that, okay, on Tuesday we're going to run three Senate bills, and then we're going to bring you back to the end of the table. And uh, I don't know if there will be an opportunity to continue discussion, pro, con, or mm-hmm. not. It may be that uh, most most folks are just ready for a to, vote. To vote on it. And so uh, that that's what I anticipate will happen tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, it was kind of interesting. The committee, it was... There was a little confusion about what was going on right at the very end, and it was it, it got a little chaotic. Well, and, and you know, uh, the co-chair is a friend of mine, a personal friend of mine, and uh, we, we get along. I felt sorry for uh, the co-chair and, and also for the uh, staff, you know, committee assistant, mm-hmm. uh, we, Allison, because things were being shouted from the table so quick we just moved beyond a structured parliamentary procedure mm-hmm. into some chaos. Oh, and so for uh, – and, and I'll also go as far to say, and I may make some people irritated with me for saying this, but it's kind of like going to a basketball game and the clock is running down. And so maybe a player holds the ball until the clock is out. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I felt like that's what happened – in the committee hearing, yeah. uh, one of the uh, uh, individuals that spoke against the resolution droned on and on and took up so much time that he ran the clock down. Yeah. And so I, I don't feel like that's ever helpful. You know, good discourse is just that. It's good, mm-hmm. good debate. But... You know, we're going to bring it back tomorrow and see where we go with it. Yeah, should be fun. Real, real quick, uh, just got this from uh, Bob Ballinger. Senator Ballinger sent me this. 29 yay, no nay, three presents. Freedom of speech bill passes unanimously out of Good the deal. Senate. Hey, Good amen. Deal. Is he going to come talk to us this afternoon? I'll, I'll ask him if he can. Sounds good. Now that's that's good news. So Sullivan picks it up tomorrow in the Education Committee. Okay. In the House. Cool. Well, and and getting back to this resolution, uh, ten thirteen, it's not a bill. Nope. We're not asking for a new law to be right. enacted. This is simply a resolution, and there's a huge difference between a bill and a resolution. And so, with that in mind, uh, I want. I want to clarify our current laws, and actually, in my mind, they're already clarified. We've just got to get everybody else educated on what our current gun laws are. Right. This is just—it's just an official declaration by the House of Representatives that just to, to remind people of what the law already says. Right. Exactly. And you know, one one uh, member of the judiciary tried to tie, tried to tie this thing up in. We don't need resolutions like this. 
and and I looked at the calendar today, and we had numerous resolutions that ranged from supporting our sports teams across Arkansas to recognizing 4-H, and I value all of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that my resolution is any different. It's just those that are against the Second Amendment don't want to see something like this come across the House floor. And on the Senate end, I'm looking at the Senate doors right now. I've already been told by numerous senators they want this bill, this resolution to pass so they can also run it from the other side. Cool. So yeah. we're moving is, in the right direction. Your, your resolution is about a fundamental right. A lot of these other resolutions are about more or less frivolous things. Some of them are quite important. I, like the, I think it's kind of cool when someone will bring a, a resolution um, recognizing a couple that have been married for 75 years. That's pretty cool. That's, it's a notable thing to recognize. But it's not a human rights issue. Your your issue is a human rights issue. Well, and I, I prepare citations for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That I go and hand them out at their mm-hmm. 50th or right. 60th or 70th mm-hmm. uh, wedding anniversary ceremony and uh, celebration. Mm-hmm. And that that's the fun part of my job. And Dave. that's an honorable that's awesome. thing. That's, that's yep. a good thing to honor because marriage is a fundamental foundational um, part of our society. And those, I think it's kind of cool to do that, but it's not a fundamental issue like the fundamental right to keep and bear arms, which you are recognizing with your resolution. Right. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk further with State Representative Brent Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're located on the third floor house side. If you're in the Capitol, stop by, say hello. Just know that if we're talking, wait until we're taking a break, and then we'll be happy to visit with you here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, uh, third floor, house side, that's where we're set up shop today and every day, Monday through Thursday right now as we get closer to the end of the session. We'll be here Monday through Friday. Uh, If you didn't hear my announcement a moment ago, I uh, just saw the tote board and uh, Senate Bill 156. I see Robert just come in. He probably knows this already, but... uh, the vote was taken today. 29 yeas, no nays, and three presents. So it uh, it passed unanimously. So it's on its way to the House, and it should be heard in the House Education Committee tomorrow. Hopefully be voted on on Wednesday, and then I don't know when the governor wants to sign it. But this is, this is I think, sending a direct message to universities that you cannot... Just trample people. Tell, well, you can't take people's Second Amendment rights away from them, or First Amendment, First Amendment rights. rights. Yeah. You just cannot do it. That's the First Amendment of the Constitution, well, I mean, for God's sake. We don't want First or Second Amendment rights well, taken away. Exactly right. Right. So they're, they're, I don't want any of my rights <laughs> taken no. away. We've got these government bureaucrats basically coming along and saying, well, this is our property. You can't say what you want to say on it. I'm sorry. That's not your property. It's our property. We paid. It's tax-funded, subsidized, at least, property. And they can't come along and tell us, you know, we, we can't engage in basic fundamental free speech in the public areas of these of these universities. Well, Robert Steinbach, I'm going to get a picture of that and hang it in our studio <laughs> so everybody can see it. Uh, I will find out when the governor is going to sign that because I believe that this will easily pass through the House. And uh, I look forward to standing behind the governor as he signs it in the law. I warned him. I was... I was tired of it. 
tired of. Yeah, it's, it's hey, a, you a, need a, to get a, tired of more things. So I am get tired through. of a lot of things. I really <laughs> am tired of a lot of things. In fact, just a moment, we're going to talk about something else I'm tired about with, and that's special elections. I want to want those to go the way the dodo bird as well. All right. So are you feeling good about this? you think you're going to be able to get it on the floor and get it passed? I have contacted uh, the members of the uh, House Judiciary, and, uh, you know, I have one, one vote that he basically said, please recuse me because I have a son that's involved in the gun business, and he said, I just feel like I'd be better off just recusing myself. So I totally get that. But I think all the other Republicans are favorable, and uh, we'll know tomorrow by Mm -hmm. probably 11. Yeah, what time, or how many many votes do you need to get it passed? I believe we need 11. Okay, how many... How many Republicans you got on that committee? I believe we have 15. Okay, one's recusing, so it's 14. You figure you got 14 votes? I do. All right. That's good and news. And I, I, will, I will mention this, Dave, just on a side note. Uh, Lori Rushing told me she was favorable to the uh, resolution, but she has a doctor's appointment at 8.15. And I said, you get in there quick and make sure he hurries you so you're back down here <laughs> for the exactly vote. That's exactly right. So what she said she would. Be? Yeah. What time is the vote? Well, it, the committee meeting starts at 10, Okay. and there's going to be three Senate bills run first, and then, then uh, the chair said she would entertain my resolution at least for a vote. I don't know if there will be discussion. I would mentioned to Paul, I don't know if there's time for that, but we're going to move this along tomorrow. And, and, you know, folks, listen, I know we're passionate about our Second Amendment rights and even this uh, resolution clarifying our gun rights, but... I'm a I'm a decent good loser, but I'm a better winner. <laughs> I want to win this thing for the people of the state of Arkansas. Well, here's my thing: if you're a Republican, there's no way you should ever vote against something that inherently upholds the Second Amendment. Well, no way. Bottom line, no way. I also heard that uh, there's a potential for the NRA to score our votes. I know there will be for. Uh, Representative Pilkington's bill that's coming up. Okay. So, Aaron's done a good job. Yeah, and and you know he's. Uh, we're just going to have to find out where that goes. Well, one of the interesting thing about Pilkington's bill, though, is it's not a gun bill. It's actually just a general self-defense bill, is what it is. And so it's 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 interesting how this is playing out, because. All it's about is is about the use of deadly force, which could be a gun. It could be fist, for that matter. If you, depending on your situation, it could be a baseball bat. I was going to say they never come to my house and met Big Bertha yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, here's the thing. I but it, is, uh, it is related, of course. I want to support his bill. Right. I've told him I would do that, and uh, I've gotten a lot of heat from that because. The opposition is saying all you're going to do is open up a hunting season on people. You know, if this right. bill passes, and I'm thinking that's not true. No. The people I know not that true. carry concealed or unconcealed, they're responsible citizens of this state. Just and that's they're the ones that are supporting my resolution. I think we'll get the same support for Aaron. You know. I think so, too. I do. I do as well. Well, Representative, I'll see if I can't make it tomorrow. Try to get here early enough to 
get a good front watch row it, seat. Watch it. Yeah, get, better, watch it get but, past him. Watch the looks on the Democrats' faces. Better come early. Dave, you may want to sit toward the back by the door, you know, just so you can get out quick if you have to. But uh, <laughs> I, I bet it'll be full. We got the Moms Demand Action coming, I think, and then also the. No, are X-7 they coming? 40. I think they the are. Red coats. I think they're coming. You know, we had to defeat the red coats one other time. Well, well, now be careful talking about the red coats because they also <laughs> stand in front of the house doors. But we're talking yeah, about a different red coats. Different those guys set, are yeah. better. Okay. All right, yeah. hey guys, thank you very much. Yes, sir. All right, Thanks let's get Robert in here. Let's move him over. We got some time. We got some time to uh, bring him on as well and uh, introduce our uh, next guest. This is Representative Gonzalez. He's got a pretty cool bill that I think you're going to like. It's a. It's a. Um, well, he already said that yeah, they had to do a special, special election, get rid of them. I'm all behind it, Representative. All behind it. If you can get this done. Make- you will be the first person that got it done in 10 years. For a decade, we've been trying to do away with special elections. Yeah, I'll, thank you for, for allowing me to be here. And I, I was on the same bill last session when it uh, unfortunately died in the House. Um, but you know, I've been part of this for, for a little while now. Keep it up. Don't give up. So can you kind of explain, if I understand it correctly, it would limit it to the um, primary dates or the general election is that is that correct yeah that's correct if it's an election year you have the you would have the election it, it doesn't stop someone from having an election to raise their their local taxes right. if they want to do that they they can still do that uh, it just says you're correct if, if you want to do it you do it on the date of the primary or the date of the general election in an election year or the corresponding dates in a in a non-election year so, so there, still, there's usually still, there's usually a, a kind of a secondary election like for school board or something like that during the off years is that how that works? Well, we uh, we already aligned the school board elections with, with the uh, primary dates. Okay, yeah, with primary dates. So we we've taken care of that last session. Okay, and just couldn't quite get this one. That one on. Yeah, okay. got that that argument out of the way finally. That was that was an argument. I thought it was a specious argument because it's very easy to take care of it. It was not a big deal. It was just a big deal to stop the bill. Is what it was because they did it to Alan Clark. Mm-hmm. Not Clark, Alan Kerr, twice mm-hmm. over the same thing. And they had some Republicans that voted against it. And I know for a fact they told me off the record that the reason they voted against it is because their superintendents came and visited them. So uh, Cause, because that's the way it all works. We've got these little ten horn dictators there in the local school boards and city councils and whatever else. And they decide, well, we need this extra money. And so we're going to. We're going to have a special election, and, and just just have this interesting little plan. Well, you know, we can't wait till the regular election, so we're just going to have it at this off-peak time, like maybe on Valentine's Day or something like that. Right. And um, and so then twelve people show up, the ones who know it, about it, and it passes. And it passes. And it passes usually by by a higher percentage, and they they like to tell that. Oh well, it had overwhelming support for for this. Three yeah. percent of the population came out to vote. Yeah, well, I have data here that um, on over 900 such elections, so 82% of sales tax elections are, are held outside of the general or primary elections, um, and, and there's on pass. average 19% turnout. But when they're held on the same dates as a, as a general or primary, you have 44% turnout. So mm-hmm. you know, Three this, times as much. This really is about getting the most uh, voter input, which I think is important in, in any election. 
Yes, yeah, so, when you're so, about so nearly three times the participation if you hold it in a regular election versus the, the off-peak where they kind of get hidden. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, And, and more importantly than that, uh, 77% of the special sales tax uh, elections pass, um, whereas only 45% of the time do they pass when they're held in a, in a primary general date. So. Yeah, when well, they can hold down the amount of participants in the election and they can turn out the people that they know will vote for whatever they're asking for, then they uh, that's the way they want to keep it. But it looks like and you're telling me the pushback hasn't been so bad this year. I can tell you when this first was started, the pushback was huge. Right. Yeah, I haven't had that many people come to me. Uh, uh, I believe the Association of Counties was fighting it before. Mm-hmm. We've made some amendments that have gotten them on board. Uh, so it's contingent upon funding. So what was, for, what was that? What was what were the amendments that? placated them we had to, to make it uh, contingent upon voting uh, funding for the v- new voting machines so ah, okay i think there's 22 counties right now that do not have the new voting machines um and as soon as they get them if this passes then as soon as all counties have the new voting machines and this will take effect but not until then so are you, are, do you have your camping space in front of uh, secretary thurston's uh uh, <laughs> office? Is that what well, you're telling us? Well, we've got to get it through the House first. Okay. Uh, if we get it through we'll, the two and we'll if it made into that. law, then you'll be knocking on his door, i got to, I got to figure, right? That's that's correct. Okay. So we'll, it makes sense. That's the way it works. Yes. I've already kind of pushed for help uh, with some counties to get funding for these things. Uh, there's some things that the counties can do to reduce their cost of uh, the new voting equipment as far as... Um, putting in vote centers in their counties where and that really helps too for getting the max participants in voting so instead of having a precinct that you have to go vote in you can go anywhere in the county and vote yeah uh, they've done that work they right. really in my nice. county i gotta get to the news we'll be back in a moment all right back with your third floor house side uh, representative gonzalez is with us he is hoping that uh, you know he's going to kill the uh, special elections in the state, which I hope that uh, is uh, going to happen as well. We've come close several times, but never been able to pull the trigger completely. We get within a sprig of garlic or a ray of sunshine of killing this vampire. Finally, we intend to do it. We're going to drag it out in the sunlight, and we're going to light it on fire. Can we call these secret ele- elections instead of special elections? Yeah. I mean, well, just they're, they're special interest elections yeah. is what it is. It should yeah, just be called a special interest election because 4% of the population come out and 25 vote in favor of something, and then 98 uh, or 97.5% of the remaining population has to pay for it for some uh, bunch of bureau hacks to get a, an extra car in their uh, local community center or something, and I'm sick and tired of it already. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Robert. You know, I've been working on this one as as well. And uh, Representative Gonzalez, if there's anything we can do besides just getting the, you know, the the information out, just let us know. Yeah, well, it'll be in state agencies Wednesday morning. I hope to be able to run it first thing, uh, start a committee Wednesday morning. So ten o'clock Wednesday morning, we're gonna we're gonna run with it. Okay, Who's opposing so, you right yeah. now? I, I've not Nobody heard yet. anybody come okay. up with opposition yet. No, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. I'm yeah, sure when it comes up in committee, we Those we cockroaches have, come out of the woodwork, you yeah, know, when it starts to rain, let me tell you. Surely I would think the municipal league and maybe the even the public education people are going to Oh, you're going to get out. some I mean, superintendents out. you got to get the get the state-funded lobbyists <laughs> fighting against you there. So, yeah, it'll, it'll happen. It'll, All right, so how many Republicans are on your uh, committee? 
You know, I should know the answer to that, and I do not remember what the, okay. the number is. But it's, over, talk- it's overwhelming majority of Republicans sure. okay. on this. Okay. So have you talked to them? Do you feel yeah, good I f- with I them? Yeah, I feel, feel good with it. Right. I, th- I think we'll get it out of committee, no problem. Um, I don't really see that it's going to be a problem on the House floor this good. session. Um, before last session, we, ha- we had the support of the Association of Counties last session as well, but they came in kind of late, didn't have time to get the word out that they were supporting it. So with them being on board with it early and having that out there, I think I think we'll get it through the House fairly okay. easily. Plus, Sturch is not in the House. He's anymore. no longer in the House. Yeah. But he does have <laughs> the opportunity to walk out the Senate. Now. Yeah, he can walk out, but there'll be enough AI votes over there. We don't have, you know, he can run off to the bathroom or wherever he goes and not worry about it. Now, Senator Wallace has is carrying it again on the Senate. Good. So I already have that lined up. He's ready to go. Sounds good. Sounds like you got your all your T's crossed and your I's dotted here. We're ready to go. All right. Good. It's good. So Wednesday morning. That it's going to be a big deal. What's so, What's the committee room on that one? What's uh, the committee? State Agencies State Committee, agencies. Uh, okay. Room 159, I believe, is the okay. room number. That would be on the, uh, is that? Uh, it's on the house end. Um, you go down this what, the first floor. That's on the governor's side of the It is on the capital. governor's side. Okay, that's correct. So that's where you, you'll find it. All right, well, we appreciate you coming by and talking about this. And is, is Alan Kerr going to show up just so that he can jump up and down and celebrate about well, this? Well, I'm going to have to call him now. You see need if to I can call him, him and tell him. <laughs> he'll tell, maybe, maybe he'll tell you, maybe I shouldn't come. Tell you how, I'm going to jinx you. And as he's been trying to do it for so long. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming in and coming up here and, and speaking to us. Anything else that you're you're uh, looking to run that, that people need to know about yet? Uh, that's all I've got right now. So. Okay. I'm working on a few other things, but nothing that I'm keep them close to your vest. Put out there. Yeah. Don't so. tell anybody until you're yeah. ready. That's right. <laughs> we, need, we need to find somebody to run a bill to stop these state-funded lobbyists. <laughs> not to put Absolutely. you on the not to put you on the spot. Absolutely, these nine to five employees coming down on the government's dollar, showing up begging for more money. That's what they do all day. Yeah. It's insane. It's maddening. I come down here. I spend my own money, waste my own time. I, I, I'm down here four days a week right now. You don't waste neglect, your time. Well, maybe I'm, hopefully well, I'm not wasting my time. So I'm down here four, four days a week, and so I've got one, one weekday that I can actually try to get something done, and I have to compete with government-funded, taxpayer-funded lobbyists. So basically I'm having to pay twice. Pay, pay for myself to come down here and pay the salaries of these people. Well, you know, the truth is, against yeah, me. look, I mean, whether or not you come down, whether or not I come down, the, the fact is that it's really a problem when these government-funded bureau hacks uh, are coming down during their working hours, during 9 to 5, and, and it's one thing if they say, look, this is how our system works, and, uh, and, we, and we want to inform the legislature so the that fact. they understand the, the facts, the process, but that's not what they do. They come they down advocate. and say, change this law. The FOIA is too burdensome on us because we want to be we want to get our feet up on the desk after lunch or we need more of this or the carpeting doesn't look quite good enough you know what the carpeting in my house doesn't look quite good enough but nobody's coming down and placing it on the public's dime and i'm tired of these government bureau hacks coming with a cup in hand begging for money that comes out of my pocket it's enough already We'll, we'll let, let, yeah, let's I've let been this. here. I, this I'm going into my third term now, and I have yet to have anyone come to me and say, "You know what? Our agency has quite enough money that." You know, we <laughs> Amen, don't, brother. We don't need any more. Amen. Of this exactly. Stuff, so it's always more, more, more. Exactly. 
There'll be no end to it. Please, yeah. sir, can I have some more? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We appreciate your representative. Thank you, Representative. It's a sound bill that you're proposing. Common sense, conservative values. And we're a 75% Republican uh, state house. We need to, and we're in session for like three to five months. We need to get some stuff done. And I'm tired of these people walking around like a bunch of crying Marys, not sure what they want to do. Oh, no, it's it's going to. Let me check in to see what this guy. Yeah, let me check in with this special interest group. And let me see what my mother-in-law has to tell me. And let me see what's for dinner tonight. Get her done. Yeah, I'm with you. We're with you. Yeah, we're with you. Come on by again when you when you want to let us know about what you got to run. All right. Yeah, let, and when this clears the house, let us know, and we'll we'll talk about it when it goes to the Senate. Yeah, I will. I'll Absolutely. Keep you Thank, Thank you very much. much. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate you. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll move on here on the Dave Ellswick Show, third floor, house side. Can you tell that Robert's here? we got more to talk about when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming back with you, we've got about 15 minutes till we get to 4 o'clock. During the 4 o'clock hour, maybe a little bit before that, Senator Ballinger is going to stop by. We'll talk about the freedom of speech bill that passed the Senate today. Uh, no no uh, votes against. A couple people that weren't there, but no votes against. So it was 29 to zip. It's fantastic. That's my kind of a ball game. All right, with that in mind, let's talk to Robert Steinbach because he likes what, uh, you know, State Representative Brant Smith is doing, but he's like I am. It's it's nice that they're doing it, but it'd be much nicer if they would pass a law. Well, I want to see more. Uh, so I, I just want to be clear. I don't want – I like what he's doing. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Let's pass that resolution. Then let's pass the same resolution in the Senate. And then let's take that resolution, or at the same time, we don't even need to wait, and transform it into a law. I'm talking with several, several representatives, and by that I mean either senator or representative, mm-hmm. you know, sort of broadly uh, entitled, um, about rep- get, no. getting broader uh, gun bills through this legislature. Let's make, some, let's make some actual headway. Right. Look, we're 75% Republican. And if we can't pass a gun bill now, then forget about it. And I've heard people say, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want to muck it up." Let's, you, let's, you, let's unmuck it up. We can delete right. some statutes. That's right. It's and, a very and, easy thing to do. And when uh, Representative Smith uh, said, "Well, the Democrats said you're going to confuse things," here's here's the thing, Dave. If a Democrat tells you that what you're doing is going to confuse things, then what you're doing is going to unconfuse things. That's right. It's going to make everything okay. very clear. When they tell you clear. don't do it, it's not good. Do it. It's good. That's how you know. That's a very simple math here. They say no, you say yes. Isn't it kind okay? of interesting that the mothers oh. against guns or whatever were red coats? Isn't isn't that kind of interesting? We the had red defe- coats are coming. We had to de- well, we had to defeat the red coats a long time ago. Now we get to defeat them again. It's look. I'm sympathetic to groups like that, but sympathy. And as, as uh, Senator Hammer said in a different context in a, in a committee meeting recently, we don't decide these things based on emotion. We decide these things based on fact principle. and data and Prin- principle principles. and the Constitution of the United right. States and the Constitution of the great state of Arkansas, both of which guarantee your right to bear arms. And for the last 30 years, the leftists have eviscerated that right. And, and finally now, probably starting somewhat around 10 years ago with the Heller decision, we conservatives woke up. It's about time we woke up. We woke up a little has it, bit. Has it been 10 years since Heller? Uh, just shy, I think, of 10 years wow. now. It's, yeah. it's amazing how yeah. time has flown. Yeah. But, but, but 
it, it is kind of amazing how it seems that there's not very much taste for actually improving right. our right to keep and bear arms here in Arkansas. Exactly. I want to see somewhat big moves. You know, one of the one of the cool things about Trump is that he starts big, and he gets bigger. Well, that, or, or at least he starts with something where he can actually negotiate down and not have nothing. One of the problems with but, a lot of Republicans is they start with a teeny, teeny, tiny little bit of something, and then negotiate down to, well, we didn't get anything. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's really, and we're seeing this when I said, I, I, I've heard some Republicans say, well, I'm not sure we need to. Is, is that a question of not being sure? This is the most conservative legislature in the country right now. Yeah, it is. And if we don't have absolute clarity when it comes to guns, and we don't have absolute clarity, you know how you know? Because there are people... Like me, who I would not carry without a, a license if I were to carry. I, I would not carry openly uh, 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 myself. But we still, R- right? we still have people right? occasionally getting their guns taken away exactly. or being arrested for exactly. it by, by officers who are confused right. about the law. Right. Whether, whether we want to be a test case, right. carry. Right, if you want to be a test But I don't want to be a test right. case. And I do you carry know? openly on a regular right. basis. Good for you. And, 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 and a lot of the places where I go, sometimes they, they know me. Right. They, they think it's cool. Right, and right. And um, but I, the problem is, they also know me, and so I, the odds, odds of, of me being a test case are not very good, right? Right? Because I'm not a very easy. I'm not. I'm not, maybe, I'm not a very. And maybe you go to a different uh, part of the state, and you say, you know what? I don't want to do this now, even though I want to, uh, pursuant to my right to carry, mm-hmm. uh, carry, because I don't know what the environment is here right. now. That's enough to tell us all there is some ambiguity in the system. Yeah. And the ambiguity should not fall on the taxpayer and the citizen and the person exercising his gun rights. The ambiguity should fall against the government actor seeking to throw you which in jail. How, which is how it's supposed to work. Exactly. Is when there's ambiguity, it falls in favor of the accused. That's right. But that's, that's not the case supposed here. supposed to work. It's but, kind of like the tie goes to the runner. That's right. That's right. And, you know, Leslie Rutledge, in her uh, sound opinion on Act 746 said, look, this is my interpretation of law, but I just want you all to be well aware I'm not the boss of all these local prosecutors. So if you get arrested, don't come crying to me. She's right. She's right. We need to clear this up. And you know what? Uh, I've been talking to folks from the NRA, and I like the NRA, and I like the folks from the NRA, but here's what I'm going to tell you about the folks from the NRA, and maybe I'm going to break a little news today on your show, Dave. They're a little slow. They're a little slow-footed. We've got a four- to five-month legislature every two years, and we got to get it done. And what are they doing? They're thinking. They're cogitating. They're, they're mulling it over. Well, get it done. Well, what, are they, what, are, what do we actually want? What right, do we want? Right, right now, yeah. there, there are some opportunities to, right. c- to clear up. Right now, you could potentially be arrested if, if you carry in a park. Right. Why is it that, that someone should all of a sudden not be allowed to carry while they take their kids to a local park? Well, there yeah. should not be a litany. There should not of, be a, a list of places like that. A big like list that. that you have to memorize. That's right. That That's says, right. I can, you know, you can yeah. do this, you know. In, in these public places, why, why is it that, that I have to... I have to go to the revenue office to go get tags renewed or something of that nature, but I have to disarm myself when I go in there. Why? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it suddenly a, a, a serious security risk to have good people carrying guns into the revenue office? There, I mean, there are people who think that it's a risk. Well, there are people, that, and you're right, Dave, and, and that's part of the up, problem. And it sets us up as, as a gun-free zone where people can come in and murder us exactly. like ducks. Exactly. 
Exactly. The, you, you know what a gun-free zone is? Sweden. Okay? Norway. Those are gun-free zones. This is the United States of America, and there's no such thing as a free speech zone because all of the United States is a free speech zone. That's and right. a gun-free zone is go somewhere else. That's where a gun-free zone you know, is. Maybe it's reasonable to have gun-free zones inside of prisons. Well, yes, I'll agree they, with that. They probably don't even succeed there. Those are, yeah. you know, of, all the, of all the crazy things, they can't even keep drugs out of prisons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why is it such a big deal to ask our state representatives clarify the law and, and, and also make it clear that if it's a public place and we have a right to be there, you can carry well, Why are there not? Here's my question, Dave. Why are there not five bills in each house of this legislature right now that say the citizens of Arkansas have a right to carry openly and the citizens of Arkansas have a right to carry concealed? Period. As, as Paul pointed out earlier, it's a little bit outside the scope of how we write bills or laws. Mm-hmm. But guess what? In this environment, when, when the Second Amendment and the state equivalent is under constant attack, guess what? As Trump and, does, maybe we need to change it up a little I, bit. I think that's a good approach. Let's put some teeth in there. That's right. Let's actually make it a criminal offense. That's it. That's to, it. to arrest someone or, or to harass them. When, we when, don't have when, a means when, of enforcing state law anymore due to sovereign immunity other than through criminal sanctions. We need every bill that protects the Second Amendment, that protects the First Amendment, that protects the Freedom of Information Act to have criminal pen, penalties against these state actors that are t- seeking to take away your rights. And mandatory criminal penalties, I think. We need a, we need a means to bypass the prosecutorial system so that we can actually insist upon prosecution against government officials who are trashing our rights. It is not acceptable for government officials to come along and say, you know, you can't talk right here in in this public place. You can't pass out flyers or Bibles or whatever it is you're going to pass out. Or you can't you can't exercise your Second Amendment rights right here because, well, it scares people. Well, you know, the original version, the Kim Hammer bill of the free speech on campus bill, had criminal penalties in it. Now, yes, it yes, did. Now, the final version doesn't have it, and I'm a big supporter of the final version. I'm a big supporter of Bob Ballinger and Kim Hammer, who was a co-sponsor on it, and Dan Sullivan, who's a co-sponsor on it. And, you know, you realize when you make a stew, you got to throw in a bunch of ingredients. But mm. let me tell you, all of them have said to me, if this thing doesn't work out as is, criminal penalties are coming next time around. Not to mention how well we fund those schools that, uh, mm-hmm. if they seek to avoid uh, implementing this law and guaranteeing the First Amendment and the state equivalent thereof. Mm-hmm. Right. And because that's the thing is that when government officials come along and, and violate our rights, they should be punished. That's right. They should, they should be not. held to account personally for violating the rights of citizens. They are entrusted with the most uh, significant power that any individual can have. That's the power of the state. Right. And then they hide behind the power of the state. Right. Which they is, say, oh, it's not us. It's the state. Which, What's the state? It's a bunch of people. It's you, you bureau hack, right. seeking to invade my rights. Right. That's who and, it is. And the sad part about it is that so if a government official comes along and violates your rights or my rights and they have immunity... And so the, 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 about the best I can hope for is to sue the department, perhaps. And that guess what? So No, they, you get nothing. You can't now, not with sovereign immunity. The best you can hope to for is to go after the person individually, and only if he rises up to a level of malice, and the courts have been resistant in imposing that upon individuals. So guess what you have in the end? You have nothing. nothing. You have that same cup in your hand saying, more food, sir. You have nothing. Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. Yeah. And this is the problem. We need legislators to stand up to the first for the First Amendment 
for the Second Amendment and put in laws with teeth. This uh, uh, Forum Act, the Free Speech on Campus Act, is the first such act. It doesn't have criminal penalties, but nonetheless, it is a powerful move in that direction. I want to see five bills in each chamber now specifying the gun rights of Arkansas citizens, because we don't have that yet. We have something, but we don't have enough. Why? Because people are still getting arrested, and people are still unsure of their rights. Yeah, they're getting arrested, even though it explicitly explains you have those That's rights right. I agree in the with Constitution of and the United States and the Constitution of the state of Arkansas. And in Act 746. Yes. But you know what? If we still have this problem and we're in session now, clean it up. Yeah. Do more. Let's do better. It's That's easy. what I said. We don't have to muddy the waters. We can just start deleting statutes. That's it. Do better. It's easy. If there's still confusion, do better. And who has to do better? It has to be the legislature, the governor. They have to enact the laws that make clear what our Second Amendment and the state equivalent uh, rights are now. Yeah, all you have to do is pass a law. I'm going to say it in just regular... regular Common folks speak. Citizens speak, all right? You have the right under the United States and uh, state constitutions to carry whether concealed or openly, under the foregoing law. That's Period. right. That's Boom. right. Done. And guess Finished. what? The folks at the, uh, at the, the Bureau of, of Legislative Research, they're the ones that put pen to paper and actually write up the, the, the statutes. They're brilliant. I've worked with them. There are a bunch of brilliant attorneys over there. By the way, one of the senior people over there, my former student. And, and so, notwithstanding that, she's brilliant. And they've got excellent attorneys over there. So, you go in with something like that as a legislator, and guess what? Ten minutes later, they will produce for you the language that you need. So, don't worry about it. Just get it done. And, All then, right. and then come over and talk to us and let us help you run it. Let's go get a break and uh, ah. joining us in just a moment is going to be Senator Bob Ballinger with Please one of the that. brightest pink ties I have ever seen <laughs> on today. All right, so let's take our break. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's a really nice. All right, we are live on the third floor house side here as we continue our coverage on a Monday of the 92nd uh, Get together the General Assembly. One good piece of news to give you, and we're going to talk about it here in a moment. But uh, this freedom of speech bill has passed the Senate on its way to the House. We thought it would be heard tomorrow, but we found out it will be Wednesday. Is that correct? Um, I think probably Thursday, Thursday. because uh, usually the committees meet every other. All right. They, they swap so Dan Sullivan yesterday. will be in front of the committee on Thursday. I won't be here to hear it because I got another meeting with Uncle Sam called taxes <laughs> that I got to do. So um, I, I'm Some, sure it's going to go through. Yeah, maybe, maybe Robert and I will watch that. Yeah, I'll try to get something. over there. But, well, there's a couple of other ones. We got one tomorrow. That's the mm-hmm. one with uh, Brant Smith, right? Where he wants to His put forth the House resolution. Mm-hmm. And but I'm with you. All right, yeah. I'm with I'm with you, Robert. A resolution does nothing. Well, I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. I support Brand on this. I think it's a smart move, but it's step one out of five or eight steps that this legislature needs to take right now. We've got sitting next to us Bob Ballinger, senator, who's a pro-gun rights uh, senator, and, and he's uh, looking forward to doing more on guns. So we got to get it done. I'm just tired of sitting around waiting for these hand-wringers to, to, to do something on the Second Amendment and the state's equivalent thereof. Yeah, this yeah. one is, I think we're all tired of 
three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah, exactly. It would be nice now to touchdowns. push it across the, the goal line. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think the resolution is something that people can point to to talk about legislative intent. The, the problem with it is that um, from watching the committee last week, I mean, there's a legitimate chance that it doesn't pass. And so if that happens, then, then you have the, the reverse effect. So if it doesn't make it out of committee, then the question is, what is the legislative intent on, on it? So anyway, I, I hope it does make it out. Um, you know, you, you, we do have super majorities, but some of the committees aren't necessarily made up with those type of people necessarily. So mm-hmm. love, love judiciary. That's my, you know, my, one of the committees I'm on was on it in the house my entire time there. But uh, the the way this judiciary committee is made up, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion. This resolution passes. Really? Uh, well, and but and I agree with you. But if it doesn't, let's bring it up on the floor. Yeah. Let's take it straight to the floor. Right. And that's, that's this one is of those, democracy. That's one of those things that kind of gets overlooked. Is that y'all can y'all can actually bring it up on the floor outside the committee. Y'all can y'all can force it. Yeah, you can make a make a motion from the floor. Um, and so I I'm not sure. I mean, you can't pull a resolution out of committee. So um, on the House end, like you can on the Senate end. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you can do that on Senate and you can on the House end. But I, I don't know what would prohibit making a motion for a resolution of the body mm-hmm. from the from the floor. I don't think there's anything particularly that would, would limit yeah. that. All right, so let me just ask, uh, you pleased with how things went today on I, the, the, during the well of the Senate there? I, I am. You know, what, what I said from the well, and actually I kind of said the same thing in committee, is uh, it, this is one of those bills. A lot of times I'll file something and we'll start running it and then we'll work through it in the process. I mean, it's just a common way to do things. In this, we've, we've had a lot of work done, and, and Professor Robert Steinbach has, has been a, a champion in getting this. This is an issue he's only been working on for decades, right? So, <laughs> so he had been working on this for a long time. You know, Senator Hammer had, had legislation he was working with him on. And, and Representative Dane Sullivan, who's carrying this on the House end, had legislation he was working on. Um, Jim Dotson, Representative Jim Dotson, had this. This language was originally from from his uh, his bill and uh, Mary Bentley. So a lot of people has been spending a lot of time working on this. And then, frankly, all of higher ed came in and had their voice in it. While they don't necessarily like it, they do they do like having some sort of direction, some sort of you know something that they can go back to and tell their their administration. You know, the people who actually put the policy in place like look these are these are now our guidelines we have no choice that's what the law requires and i think for to some extent they they like having that clarity so um and, and i think it'll get them out of their lawsuit at, at arkansas state which i think they like that also so really i think i mean it's just caused us almost everybody's on board um with this bill and uh, and it's demonstrated in the vote today yeah well, that's think- good because before asu could have cared less yeah. Um, I mean, I, you don't have to say it. I'll say it, all right? Yeah. Bunch of weenies over there, I'm just saying. Well, what I would say is that I, what I think is that everybody says, hey, the freedom of speech is imperative and important. And in a university, I mean, nobody argues the, the idea of a marketplace of ideas, right, that that be in a university. So I, I think everybody agrees that. The question is, how is that actually implemented, which which we, we've had discussions on that direct issue. And, um, and so I, I think the problem is that when it actually rubber meets the road, sometimes people didn't carry out that 
idea that freedom of speech is a, is an imperative, and so this will make it where that's that's easier to do so. And frankly, I mean, you know, this protects everybody the same, right? So whether mm-hmm. you're a liberal group, conservative group, that right. gives you those protections. But the truth is, usually, if you have to put up a a wall of protection, you're going to protect a particular right. It's almost always a minority right because the majority has the has the control. Well, in this case, on a university campus, ninety percent of of professors voted for Barack Obama. That's just the reality of it. And so and there's another eight percent stayed home because ten <laughs> yeah, percent didn't vote Republican. I can tell you that right now. So that, there's yeah. the point: is that right. you know, the minority thought is conservative thought. Absolutely, you know, things that people see as offensive tend to be things that that are limited government, you know, uh, views or libertarian views. And so, and God forbid you mention the Second Amendment, by the way. Yeah, that, right? cor- absolutely correct. So, so then that, that's the issue: is that I, I think that there is a, a a higher level of protection for conservative groups and conservative thought in this simply because they, it is the minority thought when it comes to university campuses. Absolutely. Well, the, the, the left has taken over academia. It's that, it's that simple. And that's across the country. Correct. Uh, and, and then it's self-propagating. It's really interesting that you hear the left often talking about, well, this job title, this environment, there seems to be some discrimination because we don't have a balance of this particular group in society. But then when you get to look at themselves, say, wait, where are your conservatives? Oh, well, they just don't want to work here. Yeah. Right? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I, people want a, a whole, you know, litany and plethora of people who come from different races and religions and all that. And, and that's wonderful. But from my standpoint, it's thought. I mean, if, if we're going to have something where the diversity matters most in a university, it's diversity of thought. And that, that's an issue I've, I've been looking at and thinking about for a long time. And, and, and frankly, we, we don't, I mean, I, 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 I'm my alma mater at University of Arkansas um, School of Law in Fayetteville. Great school, and they have a have a fairly active federal society program there, which I was involved in when I was in, in law school. But the truth is, they don't really have a, a professor who's a federal society professor, right? Somebody who who goes along that kind of limited government constitutional, you know, originalist ph- that philosophy. That has a Scalia type. Uh, yes, that's right. So there's not the and and today in our court system, those are the people who are getting appointed within our federal system are the ones that you know that meet those qualifications. So so literally, we have a, a, a hole of thought that is that's missing. And and I you know the new dean is, is recognized that, realizes that, and is willing to you know he says she's going to try to address that. But but the truth is. Is that that is just one small picture of what's happening throughout is that you know it is not fair to a conservative not to have somebody who, who is challenged in their thought but it's extremely not fair to a liberal to not have somebody who's pushing back they end up with you know coming it's an out echo chamber. that's right it's an echo chamber so they've never had to wrestle with some of these ideas and, and come so well, and, and, you know anyway it's, it's just better if we have broad ideas and that's kind of what this addresses to some extent is you know hold that that collision of ideas and hopefully out of that rubble truth comes out yeah, that and, echo and, chamber and factor can be a, can really mess you up senator yeah. ballinger has been um uh, rather shy about stating the fact that he he really shepherded this bill through right i mean these were a bunch of cats scrambling around and he got them all in line at least well enough for five minutes to take that photograph you know of them jumping at the, <laughs> at, at, the at the little piece of uh, feather or whatever it may be uh and deserves a lot of credit for that because that was no easy task and by the way i was one of those cats jumping around i was not uh, uh you know i was pulling on that rope uh, as much as anybody else saying bob you gotta do this and you gotta do that you know and he's like okay let's talk you know because bob is calm i'm not so calm <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's overstated but i do appreciate it so. well and and the other thing that is noteworthy um uh, that 
we see uh, um, my colleague, Josh Silverstein, came out sort of later in the process, but came out to help out on this. And he is he's a liberal. He's the first to tell you he's a liberal. But he's an old school liberal. And by that, he's a younger guy, but by that I mean he says exactly what Senator Ballinger just said. It doesn't work unless you get a clash of ideas. I don't want just my ideas to be heard. Right. I want all ideas to be heard. And if my ideas don't win, says Josh Silverstein, so be it. Right. Right? Yep. So that's, you know, that's the thing. There are honest uh, liberals out there who, who believe in the First Amendment. Let's be honest, Dave, we've talked about this before. If you go back to the 60s and 70s, the liberals were on the vanguard of free speech, not the conservatives. Yeah, I was right. fighting yeah. the, the right at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, now no, I'm fighting right. the left. Yeah. Yeah. It's you crazy. stayed the same, yeah. and they've moved around. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and it's, I mean, it, truly, I, I think that it, it is the, it's the right now for the most part that stand, now, not, not all of them. Some not of them struggle yeah. with that. Yeah. But for several civil liberties, you know, that's, it, you know, it tends to be the people on the right who's looking at that. That's right. That's so, right. Well, that goes back to what the senator said early on that this is not a Democrat it's not, or, or a Republican, Republican bill. thing. It's not. This is a constitutional thing. Right. Right. Uh, that, that's what I wanted everybody to understand right. about this. You know, there could be a, a far leftist group that's going to, oh, sure. you know, be bring them on, be screwed let them, over, let them get know, up on their soapbox. More than happy to help them out. By the way, we're going to we get this thing passed as soon as the governor would sign it into law. I got this buddy of mine that I'm going to ask to come here and give a speech, and I'll be talking to you. See if we can get him in the well of the Senate, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I, I would love that. I'm, I'm a bit of a fanboy, so it would be it would be a lot of fun. To <laughs> I promise you a picture with him. Yeah, that would be good. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it even out. remarkable that Ben Shapiro is considered kind of a firebrand? Yeah, have that you is. listened to that guy? He's yeah. conservative, yeah. but firebrand. Yeah, that's. Uh, but where is he considered firebrand? Not here. Not inside. Not inside the Capitol building. Put him in Berkeley. Yeah, that's right. Put him. <laughs> put him over in the in the leftist universities, yeah. and he's considered. A firebrand right, right. because they have this echo chamber. That's why they said to, uh, I think her name is Ashlyn Hogarth over at ASU. The cop comes out and says, You can't put up a sign for turning point because this is private property. Like, how many parts of that statement are wrong? <laughs> I, you know, like, I understand each word, but when strung together in a sentence, it's total gobbledygook. Right. You know? Right. And so, Dave, we've <laughs> got to get them out of this sort of inside the echo chamber talking. And the only way we can do that is by guaranteeing rights of conservatives to speak on. On campus, and this bill, the Ballinger, Hammer, Sullivan, I'm forgetting names, I'm sure, bill, uh, which will soon Dodson. be an act, Dodson, will do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and there's a lot of other people who've signed on to right. it and, and helped with it. And, uh, you know, the uh, Tony Rose, who's working with the National uh, 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 Congressional Prayer Caucus, she kind of put some work into it. A lot of other groups and people, Alliance of Everything Freedom, obviously, have worked on it. I got an email today from, from Alec asking people to support it that apparently it's part of their model legislation, Terrific. their package, whatever. So Terrific. Yeah. So, anyways, a, a lot of other people are paying attention to what we're doing here in Arkansas. Americans Arkansas. for Prosperity supported it. Yeah, Americans well. for yeah. Prosperity. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. And, and honestly, I, I mean, it, it, what I think we're doing that's different than almost has been done in any other state is we really are putting together this with a consensus. And so the idea of it passing out of the Senate, they've not seen that anywhere else without any no votes. So I, I hope what we may be doing is not only, you know, helping put together the model, right, the legislation together, but even the model how to do it. And we'll see, you know, throughout the country this type of legislation get adopted. Yeah, we lead the way. You know, That's you always right. hear That's it right. in Arkansas 49th <laughs> and 50th. 
Not on this one, baby. No, not on this one. That's right. I told some of the groups that were a little slow to get on board this, you know, like, well, we don't know. And it could, I said, we're going to lead on this. We're not going to follow. We right. are going to lead on this as a 75% Republican. Have I mentioned that today? 75% <laughs> Republican uh, capital. Let's get it done. And this is the first example, or maybe not even the first, but an early example of many things that we are going to pass in this legislature because we have the legislature. Right. And it's not even It's not even partisan at this point. No. No, it's Which not. is no. kind of cool. There, you can yeah. get a single no vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with this type of support. You know, they can get done in California. You know, it can get done in Minnesota. It can get done in whatever, as long as as long as you know they're able to do it now. Of course, it's, in, in Arkansas, Democrat might be about like a, a California Republican. It could be, and and on top of it, it, you know, the fact that we have the supermajorities may make it where it's a little bit easier for Democrat to get onto Republican legislation. Let me tell you what they couldn't get this passed in Minnesota. I know that for yeah. a fact. Yeah. yeah, they could because that's where this came from originally. Particularly. Yeah, comes from. Yeah, but but that's what I mean. I there are like Louisiana had passed something similar and they got it done, but it was through a dogfight, right? And the question is whether or not they could implement a, a system that where where people could sit down and and it could be that just like a lot of our the people who help make the decisions for the U of A, the people who are down here, a lot of them have good relationships down here from down here. You know, one of them's a former you know speaker of the house. Well, two of them actually former speakers of the house down here. So I think. Maybe Maybe they understand the politics of it, which helps, you know, communicate and get the higher ed on board. With I just can't imagine Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party. Yeah. Who's against it? Against Who's against the First it? Amendment yeah. of the Constitution? It just well, we but we read a little about it by one, by, by the other newspaper in town. Maybe I shouldn't mention it. Maybe I will. But <laughs> but you know where they said, well, you know, free speech is all good and well, but what about people feeling included? Wait, right. what? Right. What? Yep. What? Hey, you know what? If you don't feel included, come on down to was Dave's that, show. Was really? that it was Max. Of course it was Max. And I like Max, by the way. But sometimes Max is off his rocker. And on this one, he lost it. Okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, Max, here's the thing. The First Amendment doesn't protect greeting cards and nursery rhymes. It protects things that pe- other people may not, from time to time, like to hear. And the response is either walk away or suck it up. That's right. Even things that are uncollegial. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> That's such a nice word. Exactly. All right. We'll come back. We'll talk further about this. We'll keep Bob here until the bottom of the hour. It's 22 minutes after 4. We're going to talk to uh, Convention of States at about 435 and see where they're at over in the House because that's a big vote that's coming up and we'll want to hear what they have to say. Uh, PI Roofing Home Solutions now owns Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services, so they'll clean your gutters as well with the highest possible quality that you can uh, expect. You can uh, learn more about that at piroofing.com as well as know that if you're a customer of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services, now you can get more, uh, you know, great uh you know work and that you can get that comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise as well from pi roofing check it all out online learn more piroofing.com that's piroofing.com all right back with you uh, robert steinbach is here you know we sat in that uh, senate committee the other day and uh senator uh Ballinger. Ballinger, thank you. 
Did I'm so really, bad with names, I can it, never did a really good job. They <laughs> did a fantastic job. I was saying uh, during the break that uh, there were some very good questions from the left and the right uh, in the committee, and I turned to one of my colleagues who knows this stuff very well also, and I said, what's the answer to that? Because it was a complicated question. He said, just listen to Bob. He's giving it right now. So he really, he, he handled, he was prepared for the hearing, and I think that's part of the reason that this went through so smoothly, because we have the answers. This is a legitimate bill that does legitimate things, and it, it propounds the First Amendment, and Bob knew the intricacies of it, and that's what we well, need. I mean, that's one of the things that conservatives have traditionally been bad at is being able to actually answer questions appropriately in a principled way. And you know, we need to learn how to do that, and, and that's kind of cool. I mean, it's to, important to, to, to get things right without compromising and yet still answer the question intelligently. Well, I, I mean, it, you know, from my standpoint, it, it, uh, the whole process itself was extremely effective. It forced me to be involved in almost every word in the, in the bill and, and in preparing for it. I mean, I, all it was was just, just knowing what, what was in the bill. So most of that was done in the weeks ahead of time. So I've, I've uh, fallen on my face a few times. I remember actually Randy Alexander had a really good bill. wasn't the best, but really good bill dealing with raw milk. And I roll called it in, in committee, <laughs> thinking, thinking that it failed, but the nays had it. I was, so, I mean, I, I was, All right, we're at that point now in Convention of States where push comes to shove. Yes, we are. Uh, we're expecting the vote on Wednesday. We have passed the Senate committee, the Senate, and the House State Agencies Committee. So, How did we do in the... the the committee for the house uh it was 13 13 to 5 13 to 5 13 to that's five. good that's yeah good i'll yeah. take those numbers every day you bet right so uh we're very close uh, we have been working hard i just can't say enough good things about our grassroots they are showing up they were calling uh they're doing what you have to do to win and uh so we're cautiously optimistic i would say but uh anyone who can come down on wednesday and help support us, that would be great. We're going to be meeting at 10 o'clock on the very first floor right under the rotunda, and from there we'll go to a meeting room that we can, you know, close the door and have a conversation before the vote that afternoon. Okay. Makes sense. Go knock on a few doors and, yep. and uh, you know, somebody might be getting knee-knocking disease that you can talk to them. And- that is, uh, we have, we have a... That's contagious. We have uh, bouts of that periodically. Yeah, and it, it, it drives you crazy. It. it does. Absolutely. As you think you got everything lined up and everybody's saying, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know. You yeah. know. I got three calls over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, well, tell us about the process. Do we have to? So you have to pass the house. Does it go to the governor, or is it just both houses? In the, no, it's okay. it's a resolution. Right. It doesn't have to go to the governor. And the whole reason this was set up initially was to allow state uh, legislatures to go around the federal government in the event that constitutional amendments that were needed to correct issues. Congress wouldn't do it mm-hmm. because it reduces their power. Their own power, exactly. So uh, it doesn't require uh, the signature of the governor. And uh, once Congress receives two-thirds, 34 states, that aggregate, and by that we mean 34 states asking for a convention for the same purpose. I see. Then Congress has to call it. They set the time and the place. How many other states have done this already? 
12 states have passed it wow. so far. And we okay. just started, I think the first one was in 2014 or 15. 14. The, end of the last part of 14 was the first state that passed. And, and there are a couple no, of dozen considering yeah. it this time. That's so. great. And is there a time limit? Meaning like if the guy, the, the state that passed it in 07, uh, that, that's right. forever? No, no, there's, no, there's not a time limit on that. There is a time, a time limit, limit. Yeah. once, once a, a proposed amendment comes out of the convention, and that's usually seven years here lately. But I see. The, to gather the right to gather enough, the states can I be. I mean, yeah. they're still, they're still. I think the oldest on the one books, yeah, goes back to 1901. One that was passed right. in Arkansas. Right. Arkansas. I don't know what right. it's for, but it's still there. <laughs> there's still one on the books for 1791 that was, you know. There's right. 400 total <laughs> right. that have been done, and because you can't get people saying, yep, it's got to be like this, yeah. all yeah. the way across the board, uh, this is not known to a lot of people because right. of that issue. So right. the grassroots are understanding that now, and they're understanding what they got to do to get these states together, you know, as, as, a, as a nation to understand how to, how to do this right. So we've got 12 in the bag. Mm-hmm. We do another twenty or so. Considering it now, is that many? Uh, I think that, a couple of dozen states are considering oh, it now. So if if all of them go, and it doesn't, that's I mean that's a big ask. But that's if all right. of them go, then then it goes to Congress. Yes, we're yeah. we're uh, we're a third of the way. Third of the way. Yeah. So uh, right. Well, what actually the way it works is as soon as a state passes the Article Five resolution, that resolution is immediately sent to Congress, and it's kept on file. And then when the convention convenes and after the convention is done, then Congress's job is now to take what comes out of the convention and send it back to the states to get ratified. So that's really kind of how the process works. Does the language in each state have to be identical, what passes? Not the entire bill, just the stated purpose. And the purpose is to propose amendments that will impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, reduce the power and scope of the federal government, and enact term limits for its officers and for members of Congress. So as long as that's in there, um, we're good. Every state has its own boilerplate. Right, right. And I know a lot of states, like Arkansas, we have something in ours that says, at no time are the commissioners, that's what they're called, authorized to amend, uh, basically to touch the Bill of Rights. You cannot propose any change at all. And... uh, most of the states that are passing that now have it. I think the first three that passed it didn't have that language, and somebody brought it up as a concern. They said, hey, yep. that's not what we want to do. So. so if somebody comes in a convention and says, you know, the Second Amendment thing, we're really right. against the Second right. Amendment thing, right? So they're going to have a point of order right there immediately, and it's not discussed, period. It's over. If they're okay. in that, you know, specific uh, augmented togetherness, it, it ain't going to happen. Well, it's, it's about time that the people started to take control of what's going on in Washington, and this is one of several methods by which we can do it. And as you all know well, there's no guaranteed outcome. This is just the, the opportunity to be heard, yes. and the left resists the notion that you could be heard. It's not, a, it's not, oh, well, we don't want term limits. How about, 
How about having a conversation about term limits? How about having a conversation about reducing the scope of the federal government, which is reaching with both hands into all four of my pockets every time I turn around? Yes. You know, it's time that we just have a conversation. And the left always loves that term. Let's have a conversation. Okay, let's talk about this. Well, not about that. You can't talk about that. Here, you didn't get the list of things you can't talk about. No, we're only going to talk about the things we want to talk about. And if we talk about anything else, guess what? You're all, you're an ist. You're racist. You're misogynist. You're bad. You're evil. They just start bringing out the labels. And finally, finally, conservatives have gotten themselves a backbone and they say, step off. You know, you want to start calling names? We don't want to hear it anymore. And this is another thing that we're going to do. We're going to bring the people to Washington, and we're going to talk about three good ideas. And guess what? If we decide in the end they're not good ideas, I hope we don't decide that. But if we decide that, so be it. It's the the process. Yeah, the thing that's so ironic to me, I've been involved with this now for five years, and really the groups that provide us the most problem are so-called conservative groups. The John Birch Society, Secure Arkansas, uh, Eagle Forum. And uh, John Birch is all over this one. They're bringing in somebody from Montana uh, who is a constitutional scholar. And he, you know, he, he, I've heard, I've seen a presentation he did online. He's, he's a good speaker. He obviously knows a lot about the Constitution. But he keeps stating things that are just wrong. And, you know, the, the real expert on the Constitution, uh, Robert Nadelson, has, has printed a book on the law in Article 5, and it just goes step by step by step. I'll give you one example of the kind of things they're saying. They're saying, well, if you call the convention, Congress, using its Article 1 powers, specifically the Necessary and Proper Clause, can just step in, take over the process, and do anything they want. Okay, first of all, Congress can propose an amendment anytime they want exactly. to. Why do they have they, to take this they, over? They don't need your convention for that. No. But there's actually been a court case that dealt with that specific issue. It's uh, Idaho versus Freeman in 1988, and it talked about that very thing. And their decision was Congress does not retain any of its Article I powers under Article Five. The only powers they have are those given to them under Article Five with regard to an amendment. And the powers given to them are three. They aggregate it. When you have it, they set the time and the place of the convention. And then when an amendment comes out, they can determine which mode of ratification will be used. That's it. So the states have the ability to do this, even if Congress doesn't like it, the president doesn't like it, the courts don't like it. They have no role in this process. Well, if you're hanging your hat, here's a little inside baseball. If you're hanging your hat on what's called the necessary and proper clause in the U.S. Constitution, you're looking for dust balls in the stadium because that thing is a vestige of antiquity. And it says nothing. And so the leftists, by the way, are the ones that say, oh, well, it means everything we want it to mean today. But tomorrow it means something entirely different. By the way, why? Because the Constitution is living. So I got to go feed it. So I got to leave. You know, it's just a bunch of it's malarkey built on top of malarkey is what it is and the the thing about this process it's about getting the people to be heard it's not about the outcome of course we know what the three items are being considered here but it's not about the outcome it's about the process of getting the voice out of washington Mm -hmm. remember the days when we had this thing before the 17th amendment Mm -hmm. remember those days when 
we said, you're going to go to Washington, D.C., and you're going to be our voice. Remember yeah, those days? Yeah, exactly. Uh, guess what? Senators were ambassadors for the states. Absolutely. Correct. Well, guess what? That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's taking but the it's people better. here, but even it's better. better. Absolutely, we we have a lot more power than just sending one senator. That's right. Now we have our whole house, our whole Senate, our whole state, our whole grassroots involved in making this ship get turned back in the right direction. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think this is something that comes out of the woodworks and somebody invented it, right? Let's just yeah. see if those, those who wrote the Constitution Absolutely. invented it. That's the, the guys that you're talking about. What about this? What yeah. about that? You know, I mean, if we have to put the Benjamin Franklin wig on to convince you exactly. that we know what we're talking exactly. about, hey, we'll do that. You know, that's that's been my argument all the way through this. People saying, well, we don't know what's going to happen. I said, democracy is going to happen. Read what the founders said about it. That's all you got to do. I'm not worried about any part of this. All right, got to take a break when we come back. What should you be doing now until the vote on Wednesday? We're going to talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to tell you about Sonny's Auto Salvage. I bought a motor from him. In fact, I bought two motors from him and a transmission and some real rear uh, taillights. And, you know, Is anything left of your old car, Dave? I got a Johnny Cash car, and anybody who knows Johnny Cash knows what I'm talking about. The bottom line is I built it one piece at a time. Exactly. And the, the big deal is that with Sonny's, you're going to save a lot of money doing it. If I go out and get it filled, uh, fixed and use EOM parts or you know something right off of the shelf, it's going to. the last thing I did with putting an engine in was going to cost me almost $10,000. By getting an a engine from Sonny's Auto Salvage, it cost me under... $5,000, right around that, just about $5,000. I can dig that. I'm just telling you, what have I always said about things like recycled auto parts? Because that's going green, right? I've always said I'd go green when it saves me green. And this saves me green, a lot of green. it save you green, too. All you got to do is call them, 982-7451, 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage. You know, applied research of uh, Arkansas has tons of uh, these new clinical studies going on. One of them is about getting rid of warts. Nobody likes to have warts on their hands or on their elbows or on their feet or wherever they might show up at. And if you have warts, you're ready to take action. They've got new clinical studies at uh, Applied Research of Arkansas that could wipe those warts away. Uh, if you want to be a participant, know that you receive free study-related care and medication, as well as compensation for time and travel. And they've got a whole lot of other studies as well. If you're a guy and uh, maybe you're su- suffering from low T, uh, and I'm waiting on my call, they did uh, they did uh, some blood work on me to see where my uh, my T levels were. If they're under 300, then I'm in the study. Uh, but, uh, you know, you want to get uh, some testosterone, this is the way to do it. it uh, it's the final step before something is put on the market. Uh, apply online. Call today. It's ARArkansas.com uh, online, ARCArkansas.com. Call them, 501-954-7822. All right, guys, here's uh, last time, last question I'll have for you until you come back on the show, I guess. Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and, and give me the result of the vote, and I hope it falls in our in our way. But what do you want folks to do now 
until the vote. The main thing that we can do right now is we can get involved with physically coming to the Capitol and talking to the legislators. They they know what the issues are. They they have a great understanding of both sides of the story. But what they really don't have is your side of the story, exactly how you look at it. Uh, we try to you know send emails and, and uh, talk to them on the phone, but a personal appearance makes it a lot easier and better for that legislator to understand how you feel about that particular issue. So obviously the grassroots is very important to us and to understanding how they interact with the legislators. The interaction uh, makes this effort what it needs to be and not just to push paper or some email and so forth. So that's the biggest thing I would say that people can do today. And I would add to that as a former legislator, these folks are going to be under tremendous pressure. I mean, obviously, we've got our folks calling them. Uh, the other side has people calling them from all over the country, and in some case, some bots are sending emails. But they need to know what their constituents think, and they need to know the people of Arkansas are behind this. So it is extremely important for us to have a good turnout on Wednesday. We've had a good turnout in the Senate State Agencies Committee. We had one on the Senate floor. We had one on House State Agencies. We really need to get even more. Uh, One of the things that is hard for me to understand, we have a few legislators who I will not name who have a significant number. I I mean, I'm talking the, the two or three legislators that have the highest number of supporters of convention of states, and I say they're supporters because they've actually signed our petition, of any of the districts in the state who are opposed to this. And so uh, if you want your legislator to listen to you, there's two things that are really powerful. Send them a handwritten letter and talk to them in person, either on the phone or face-to-face, and tell them, here's why I support this. Because when, when folks hear the stories that grassroots bring up, you know, I was a teacher, and the federal government is taking over teaching. I'm a business owner. And I'm drowning in federal regulations. You know, I've got three grandchildren, and each one of them share the debt today is $60,000. And they're not even five years old. You know, when people hear that, that that makes it real. So we encourage people to come join us on Wednesday and uh, hopefully celebrate the victory. And, And those types of stories go a lot further than just a bunch of bots like you talked to us about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the legislators know who you are. A lot of people say, well, they don't know me. Trust me, they do. A lot of them know where you live. They know what you do, and they know what you vote for. And the best way to get what you want to say to them is directly. Here's here's a quote or a a situation that, that I've been involved in more than once, talking to the grassroots. And they go, these people would never listen to me. And I asked them, well, what if you actually talk to them? Well, they're programmed. I said, programmed? What do you mean by programmed? This is what the thought process and the grassroots are talking about. They're not programs. They're just you. They're you that got elected to go up there and do something else other than what they're doing. Well, that's what you can do. We have an average of 36 to 38 people a day coming in the convention of states they're standing up the grassroots convention of states arkansas convention of states arkansas not just nationwide just arkansas what that means is we could fill up 
basically fill up the House committee room every single day and testify and um, let people know. With new With signers. new people every day in Arkansas alone. So this is not, you know, something little fly-by paper that you pick up at Walmart and go, hey, you know, it's a concern. This is the issue, and people are standing up for it. And that's what we need you to do, stand up for it. Mark, one of the things I think is most uh, exciting about this, I mean, Dave, I'm sorry. The mission of Convention of States is to build a grassroots army of self-governing activists. Now, the reason people respond like Bud was just talking about, they won't listen to me, because a lot of times they haven't been. And one of the problems in our country is people have lost faith that what I say and what I think means anything to anybody. The biggest thing that can happen out of this is people can understand that that's not true and re-engage with the process. It would be great. Well, Randy, I just wanted to say I know you've been working on this for quite some time. And I just wanted to thank you for all the work you've done personally. And same thank you. you this this well. guy's been working longer than I have. <laughs> yeah. so. But I'm just saying, you guys have not given up. I mean, I know that at least at least the last three legislative sessions, mm-hmm. this has been pushed. Absolutely. And this time, my fingers are crossed, my toes are crossed, my eyes are crossed. <laughs> that finally, you're going to get the votes. Yes, sir. I absolutely believe that. We think we will. I, I appreciate you being on. Any place people can go to sign the petition, give them where you go. You can go to conventionofstates.com forward slash Arkansas. Or you can go to com- just conventionofstates.com. But if you want to see what's on Arkansas, what's the latest, it's conventionofstates.com forward slash Arkansas. All right. It's passed the Senate. It's up to the House. Absolutely. All right. And, and finally, I would like to say pray. Pray to yes. our Lord and our God because that's what we need, an awakening to get the people to understand. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Let's get to our next hour. Uh, Conduit News will join us. Robert's going to be here. We'll, uh, we'll be talking about a lot. We'll be talking, I know, about the highway uh, bills and money that the governor talked about today in his presser. That's all coming your way when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show live from the Capitol. Final hour of a Monday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. It is gone quickly today as uh, we've had a lot of great guests on today. We've had a lot of great discussion today. And then we got a lot more great discussion coming up this hour. Uh, Conduit News with us. Brendan Joe joining us up from Northwest uh, Arkansas. I don't know if you can get to Northwest Arkansas now. I think all the rivers are completely flooded. <laughs> the roads are probably been closed. I have no I just got another f- uh, flood warning from my area in Faulkner County. It just continued to keep extending, extending. Now we're extended all the way up to like 8.30 this evening. Mm. We'd already gotten, I'm pretty sure, over seven inches of rain today, between yesterday and today. It has rained and rained and rained and and rained. Uh, I've been waiting to see the salmon go across my uh, patio as they're spawning, but hasn't happened yet. So, Brenda and Joe, how are you today? Well, we're drier than you are, I would say. Yeah, but, well, uh, that's not that's not Arkansas. Looking forward to more taxes. Yeah, I know that the the governor um, talked today about highways. Um, I I had thought, and maybe 
you can chime in with me on this, Robert. I thought that the governor had said he wasn't interested in raising the taxes on diesel and gasoline. And yet today he had a presser and brought it up and said that uh, evidently he supports that now. Am I correct about that? You know, I don't know. I've said all along that we pay too much in taxes. I understand this desire to meet certain goals, be it for highway or anything else. Uh, And I've said all along on your show, Dave, uh, do it uh, with uh, zero increase in taxes. It's that simple. And if you can't do it with zero increase in taxes, and people say, well, I want to get this done. It's important. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I want a lot of things. You know, life's about disappointment. But the truth is, I'm not trying to be uh, too snarky. My point is, you can't have everything. Make a list of priorities. Take the money you got, which is mo- too much, and, mm-hmm. and go spend it. Well, because the thing is, roads can be done in a less expensive fashion. You know, If we have to go back to gravel, that is an option. I'd prefer not to in many cases, but the fact is that we don't have to have Taj Mahal roads. But we had, we had on uh, earlier today in the first hour uh, Ryan Norris from Americans for Prosperity. And he stated that if you started the roads here in Arkansas and you stretched them out and back again, they'd go all the way to the Arctic and all the way back again. We got too many roads right now in Arkansas, so there's got to we've got to go back looking at a different way of doing the road problem here in, in Arkansas. And the second one, and the one that I really agreed with him on, that they were talking per year. That uh, on the turnaround funds, and if anybody knows what this is, it's a, it's a 30% of the amount of money that's going to be spent on highways. 15% goes to city and 15% goes to the county. They don't have to tell the voters what they spend any of that money for. There's no transparency whatsoever. And I say just on that to say not only no, but hell no on it. Yeah, well, well, get, you know, Brenda's going to tee up some of these carefully crafted numbers for you, but it, the larger question seems to be, why do they come out and get the glory and take their victory lap, which we support, for the income tax decrease, and then the very next day raise every other possible tax they can, maybe they'll get three out of four approved and one out of four but it's just insane that they throw so many tax proposals out there to increase taxes with maybe the hope of getting them all or even one of them when we don't need any of them. Uh, but listen to the, what Brenda's going to talk about for the the actual math on the carefully crafted numbers. Okay, you know, what do you our, got for our us? governor showed us a $300 million uh, cost or, or, quote, tax increase for the gasoline. Uh, you know, our our roads, but if you listen to what he said, he said $58 million net to the state on the indexing of the fuels, and if you look at the county and um, city's recovery, it's a total increase of $82.86 million, not $58 million. He already admitted that the uh, $205 million is actually $292.86 million. So we're looking at $412.72 million a year, not $300 million a year, first of all. Yeah, it's cost to the taxpayers. Yeah, yeah and, and you can leave out 
the state and city's share of the revenue as like that's not a tax increase because it's going to the cities and the counties. Well, the cities and counties aren't voting it in. It is the state legislature who's voting it in. Yeah, so it, this is tough for anybody to follow, which is why we try to follow it very, very closely and try to be very, very accurate. Hello. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm here listening. Uh, listening to what you're saying. So now what I, you're I want s- to also add that just for fun. I Googled because I knew the answer already. Um, you know, I was going to do like a little timeline to see how much the, the highway uh, folks have been saying we've needed over the years because in my ears, you know, $300 million, $400 million, now $480 million. But I went back and 10 years ago, June of 2010, is Madison Murphy, you know who that is, uh, his yep. plan, and it's exactly what we're getting today. You know, at last he won. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm against what Madison Murphy would want, but it seems like Asa is going to make it happen. Well, I guess, you know, the thing that I don't understand, and and this is what Ryan and I talked about, is this hesitancy to keep from being uh, transparent about all of this. It's as if you're going to spend all this money uh, you know, three, four hundred million dollars a year, and there's not going to be the necessary transparency so that you know where the money's going. I mean, if if we're having as much problem with potholes as they said uh, during the, that presser, then I think that the uh, the cities and the uh, counties should be able to write down where each one of those potholes were. Uh, located at so people know where their money's being spent to get rid of the potholes. I mean, am I being unrealistic with that? Well, I, Actually, I can tell you one thing that I that I see, and I've talked about this before with you, Dave, is these wires that they put down the middle of the freeways, and then a year later they dig them up. And oh, they, yeah. And they cost $770,000 per mile, according to the highway department. And then now up in Fayetteville, they're putting signs up right next to the, you know, the little, the big signs on the side of the road for this exit or whatever. Uh, evidently, they're going to put signs all the way across. They haven't improved the road, but they're going to put bigger signs. No telling how many hundreds of thousands that costs. Uh, all kinds of things that, yeah, they're, they're nice, but they waste all the money that they're talking about that could be these theoretical potholes that are all over the place. I mean, I find that to be very uh, disingenuous. I'm sorry. You know, talking about your daughter going to school up here, and, you know, obviously she has a rim, you know, and a tire problem, and therefore we it's proof of the condition of our roads. I'm sorry. I, I didn't buy it. <laughs> well, uh, you got yeah, might just step for maybe Paul on the, on the radio here. Remember what roads were like 40 years ago, four zero years ago. And we, we have such a vast improvement. They're, they're, they're lavish roads now, and that's good. That's a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, to build business and create uh, economic activity. But you do need good roads. But it's like anything else. It's never enough. Well, when- never wide enough, safe enough. It can be better. Yeah, always. And, and somebody always seems to benefit from all these things. My favorite line of the governor today was, 
our poor people in this state can afford this much, but no more. You know, that was, that's my take on what he said. But he said, our poor people here can afford this. Hmm. Well, look, Brendan, Joe, uh, the, the thing to me is you can always have better roads, and I want better roads. And they've got a pot of money now uh, that they can spend on all sorts of things, and they can spend it on roads or not. But I don't want to give them a penny more. So, uh, and frankly, I'd like to give them a penny less. Uh, but the point is that the, the claim that you can have a better road or you could have a better building or you could have a better anything is always true. So I, yeah. I'm not, right? I'm not looking to get into a fight as to whether you can have something better. The answer is, I agree. Now go figure out a way to do it without charging me even more money. Right, and at the end of the day, do we, do we actually want to spend the money to have better and better and better roads because the fact is it would be nice to have them resurfaced every two years but at some point it becomes cost prohibitive and we don't live in a in a, in a monetary vacuum where where everything is free we don't live in the star trek or or, or uh, fantasy world where you push a button and say i want water at 35 degrees celsius or whatever it is and it comes out in a cup and everything are you telling me you want a hamburger that's not reality we've actually got a real world where stuff costs money and and it means labor and and effort yeah well let's go back and and talk about something that's been talked about on this program uh for months and that is we got a tax cut great i'm all about tax cuts however now now we're getting the secondary wave and that means tax increases. As you add up those different tax increases, if you're a person sitting out and listening to the show today, you've got to add those together and say, are we getting more money back from the government because of the cut that you gave us? Or are you you know, taking more of our money because you're taxing a bunch of other things. Um, we, put, we put a picture on my Facebook uh, last week, uh, Brent, I don't know if you saw it or Joe, and it's of a guy bailing water, and he's on one side of a fence, and both sides of the fence are flooded. And he's bailing from one side and throwing the water on the other side into the water on the other side of the fence. And I put down their definition of uh, you know you know revenue neutral, I mean that's what it is. But, except that now it's not even revenue neutral. So the first year uh, of this tax, not revenue neutral. But tax. now think about economic development, and uh, conduit would like to go on record. Why don't we do real economic development? Do away with the corporate income tax completely, which you could afford to do with this amount of money they're talking about here, and then you would have more business in Arkansas and then more tax revenue to build more roads. I mean, it would self-perpetuate what they're trying to accomplish by taxing poor people. Well, but, but well it, but it, here's the thing that I was saying for both of you, though. It's what we got. We, we are already in the highest taxed populations in the country. We're already there before all this nonsense is going to happen. And then we're going to make it even worse. And then we're going to claim that there's no new taxes, that they're just existing taxes or what you should be paying. I mean, it's the net effect on everyday people that they have to think about. And I fear that what got ASA the 60-70% of the vote is the big government Republicans and all the Democrats. 
they're all all of those people are supporting this, so that's a majority. Well, that's here, here, probably what we're going to get. Let we me wait. let me let me just jump in real quickly. I talked to several people from the uh, the house over the last few days, and it was admitted to me that they need about 17 votes to get the governor's tax plan through. They they won't say that they have those votes yet because those 17 Republicans are not happy with cutting people a tax uh, cut and then turning around and taking that money and more money out of their other pocket. It's a it's kind of a, uh, a bait-and-switch technique. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk more about it because I think people got to understand this. You may be getting a tax cut, but in the long run, you're getting a tax increase. It's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're live from the third floor house side here at the Capitol. And we got folks from Conduit News with us, uh, Brendan Joe. We've got Robert uh, Steinbach here, myself, and Paul Calvert. And we'll be back with more in just a moment. Yeah, 25 minutes uh, after 5 on a Monday. There's a lot of information that's come out. If, if you've not been able to be part of the Dave Ellswick Show today when it's been live, you can always go back to my uh, Facebook page, the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, dot com on facebook.com and uh, you can watch all these uh, hours that we broadcast it from today you'll hear about freedom of speech bill passing in the uh, senate heading to the house uh, state representative gonzalez here talking about getting rid of special elections it looks like we just might have been able to, cl- uh, to climb also and, known and as jump over that uh, secret elections. Yeah, over that uh, that <laughs> hurdle. Special interest election. Having uh, Ryan Norris on today talking about this whole tax thing that came out today with the governor, and uh, a lot of different things that we've been talking about today. And now we're talking about what the pre- uh, the uh, governor is trying to do, which is to sell us a pig in a poke. Really, is what it comes down to. Hey, I'm going to give you a tax. Uh, I'm going to give you a tax cut, but uh, I'm going to raise taxes all over the place and other places. They might call them raising fees, but always remember that when it comes to the government, tax can be spelled F-E-E as well. So uh, the bottom line is, if you add up the things that they're raising in all the other areas, and it's larger than the tax decrease on income tax, then they just gave you a tax increase. They did not give you a tax decrease. You cannot break this from the other. They're both the same. The money's coming from the same people, you and me. Well, we've talked about this with the conduit folks many times, and that is uh, I pay federal uh, income taxes. I pay FICA. I pay state income taxes, I I pay gas tax, I pay a car tax in Arkansas, I pay real estate uh, tax, whether or not I own, by the way, because if I rent, guess what? It's built into the rent. It actually costs more if you rent because you don't get to take advantage of the home tax credit. Exactly, exactly. Uh, And and I I pay sales tax. Uh, Brenda, what am I missing? I mean, by the way, I'm well over 60% of my income now, well over. So there's only so much blood you can get out of this stone. Let me tell you. Every time you go outside, keep your notepad beside you and write down every time you pay a tax. Exactly. uh, You know, and then continue it maybe for a three-month period. Uh, You become a very angry person, which is probably not a good idea. Well, uh, they've mentioned that there's 
Tax can be spelled F-I-N-E, too. Uh, That's correct. Obviously, the fees that have gone up, the, the tire fees and this, that, and the other. But there are all kinds of fines that agencies are looking to ramp them up as an income stream uh, up in Fayetteville, especially. We're, I think we're one of the top cities in the nation for DUI, the DUI industry is what I call it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you got to get the thing in your car. You know, you don't get due process. You got to get the little blow thing in your car. You got to take classes, which I know people have gone to that class, and the, even the instructors say it's a joke, but they get paid too. I mean, everybody gets paid for DUI. There's an incentive. So there's all these things built into government. It, it, it's, man, I'll, I'll tell you, oh, we, gotta, we've got a that's right. hard road to Joe, you, Joe, you're right. You know what? I didn't. I gotta, if I go downtown and I want to go to the Flying Fish to get a sandwich, I got to pay to park. I got to pay to park on my street. Where do you think that street came from? Like a mushroom sprung up out of the ground? That came from my tax dollars. So I paid for the street. And then write this down. Hopefully I'm wrong. We've lived up here. My my family and I have been here since 2003, which is not really a long time. So I still have a very fresh memory of the Delta because we go back every month. But uh, the downtown or, you know, Dixon Street, that area of... Brenda, hold hold, hold your thought. We got to get to the news. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, live at the state capitol. We're on the third floor, house side. And, Brenda, you were telling a story. Uh, definitely, I guess it had something to do with uh, paying for parking because it had been let into from Robert talking about paying uh, for parking on my street. My street. So with that in, in mind, let's turn it over to you and hear what you have to say on that. The City Council of Fable had a great idea of charging for parking people that would visit the downtown area, the Dixon Street, you know, the hottest area at, at one time in Fayetteville. And now most of the businesses there are closing. It's very sad and uh, to watch that. And every time you ask someone, why don't you go there? Well, where are we going to park? I'm not paying for parking. And, uh, you know, it's very disagreeable to see that to happen to your, your city. Well, that's just like government is they develop an area with bars, and entertainment and then anybody who goes down there they hit him for public drunk and DUI I mean that's a government program if I ever saw one yeah it's the regular hangout from the local uh, police but I do want to recommend that we all make the listeners conscious of the fact that uh, in our governor's press conference today he announced a 300 million dollar tax increase that he is proposing but why can he why can he not call it a 412.72 million and i sent you the the information detail 412 almost 413 million dollar additional tax cost to the public and he wants to call it a 300 million because that's all that the state gets he doesn't want to include what counties and cities get. And I, th- I think that's not being a genuine uh, explanation if that's how they're going to explain it to the public. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. One, two million is a big deal between friends. Now, now you guys yeah. are down there in the Capitol today, right? Yeah. Right, I'm here Monday through Thursday. Curry comb the hallways over the next few days and watch and see who gets what to change their vote. Because there'll be a Maybe a senior center for Charlene Fight, some voting machines for somebody else. Delarosa. There'll be a job for somebody's spouse. That's what they do to get this stuff passed. They pick people off one at a time, and then we're the bad guys. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention to you all that 
you had a, a story on a story that I was going to do today because it made me laugh when I came across this. House Bill 1409, uh, which is uh, being sponsored by State Representative De La Rosa, this statute would require a certain amount of time for recess and consider supervision during the unstructured social time as instructional. I just, you know that you've gone too far when the government has to say how much time kids get for recess. I thought schools were smart enough to figure that kind of stuff out. Would you guys agree with me on that? I well, I think they're trying to get extra time so they, they can attend with Della Rosa the Women's March. <laughs> we, um, you know, we think that school choice is the way to go, and to explain it because the poor disabled can't afford it otherwise is weak. Well, right. Well, we are, all of us on this call, are generally focusing on the wrong problem. It, it's we're, we're being led by the nose around to these symptoms of the problem, and the problem is freedom. None of us talk about why do we have to go to the school the government says and pay for it, whatever they say. Why do we have to let them tell us how much we're going to pay in taxes? We're having the wrong conversations. When you give up your money, you give up your freedom. And for us to allow them to take one more penny and fine or, or any argument shows the weakness of our Kansans. But the transparency is another issue that I know is near and dear to uh, Robert's heart. Uh, transparency is for government. Privacy is for individuals. They've got That's it right. flipped around where they want the individual to disclose all the money they give, where they give it, and who they give it to. And they don't want to be disclosing if they get Medicaid money. It's, it's, yeah, they, we're having the wrong conversations. Yeah, the, it, it's it's it's... it's it's maddening that they get to hide stuff, but we're supposed to be the masters and they're supposed to be the servants. But no, we have to tell them where our where our where our, our economic resources come from. We have to tell them how how we're making a living and what we're doing and what not what not else. I'm sorry, that's that, that's it's kind of backwards. It's backwards. It's I mean, backwards. who's supposed to be in charge here? You know, I, I would well, rather them just bills and and look at those bills and why not. Open up the political system to as many people with as much money as want to participate, rather than constantly trying to figure out how to keep your enemy at bay, which is what our current laws and the additional bills that they filed are trying to do. We need transparency with more freedom for the people. You know, let everyone pay, the, uh, give the candidate of their choice the money they want to, be it a corporation or whatever, and then make sure that people can see that. I mean, transparency and freedom is for, you know, that's what we want, people to be free and government to be transparent. Well, I think too many people nowadays are scared of freedom, to be honest, and that's why we can't have that conversation. We were having that conversation, Dave, about our EPA problem. Now it's EPA's problem in northwest Arkansas where there is a, a, a dump site that, you know, was accumulated over a period of time. And Senator Hendren was quoted in our local newspaper as saying, you know, this is what EPA is for. They need to come and tell us how they're going to fix this. What? Yeah, and this is private property who somebody profited by dumping stumps from development on. And they've 
Uh, evidently, they lit them on fire and buried them, and now there's this big fire. Well, why do anybody but the people that own the property, why aren't they responsible? Why, yeah, why aren't they being even sued? Involved other than to force them to clean it up and pay for it. But for Arkansas then to come along and admit its weakness and say, look, federal government, bail us out. And if it's because we give all our money to the federal government, okay, well, let's identify it. We don't have a state. Well, somebody benefited by dumping the stumps there and lighting them on fire. Is that somebody else got to clean up the mess? Dave, we're on fire today ourselves. We're tired of bigger government. We, 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 we put out, uh, actually did a lawsuit in, over in Baxter County where they did a similar thing with all the uh, political officials over there, starting with the county judge, that they had it dumped. And everybody profited, relatives and whatnot, uh, profited from this thing. And then they wanted to pawn it off on all the counties and raise their, their trash fees to clean it up and maintain it. I mean, there's so much of that that goes on every day that we just go from fire to fire instead of, you know, Building the fire extinguisher. The source of the problem. All right. Yeah, we, I, want to get, I want to get Robert in here before we go to our final break. Robert, you had something you were Well, I was just going to follow up on what Paul was saying about the backwards nature of government in general. And what's this, this crackpot governor out of Virginia now who's holding on by his bitter fingernails, Northrop, something like that? Yeah, Northrop. Yeah, and he's, he's on television. He's saying, well, I'm a leader. I'm, I need to lead the people. You know, he's like Moses, apparently. He's going to lead the people through I'm not hiring a leader. I'm hiring someone to keep my books and records, okay? I'm hiring someone to serve the people. When is the last time you've heard someone like this leftist Democrat uh, Northrop say, I'm here to serve. I'm a leader. I'm a doctor. I'm going to bring healing. The, the, by the way, the doctor wants to kill babies. That's but right. put that aside. You know, Born I'm, babies. Yeah, born babies. Born babies. Well, we got to have a conversation how, how we're going to murder the born baby after it's been born. Okay, you go have a conversation from a jail cell. But, you know, I'm just sick and tired of these the hubris that these leftist elected officials come in with, that they are the, they're the chosen one. They're Moses. They're Jesus. They're Muhammad. They're, they're, they're some, and, and then you come along and, you, and you, we want to restrict some of their power, like perhaps in some of the city governments, and they say, they scream about local control, but they still want control. Yeah. They All want control. And no they, transparency. They want yeah. control. They want control in the form of rulership. All right. A break, and then we're back to finish it up for this Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's wrap it up for a Monday. Brenda and Joe with us from uh, Conduit News. You guys have an article on this on your website? We have the, We've got time. <laughs> all people do is have, all they have to do is look. The latest scorecard is out uh, this afternoon with some really good okay. uh, summaries of the bills that will be coming up and looked at this week. By our, by our legislature, better stay on top of things. I mean, just like the GIF renaming that happened last week. Yes. And, uh, Is that Larry G? <laughs> He's a pretty good guy, but uh, that's sad. Okay, well, well let's, let's talk about, about the uh, city's redesigning your house or your remodeling or a, your business. That was a great win. They, they tell you what color win. to paint it and all that stuff. You know, you got to have Greek columns out front and whatever they decide they, they want. I mean, that was a good bill, but I understand he is getting tremendous pushback 
from from all sides. Uh, you know how the different uh, chambers will have meetings. They had a meeting in sa- Saturday in Fayetteville, and the three new Democrat House uh, members were there to argue against that bill with their 50 people in the audience supposedly against it. And their position was cities need the same rights as property associations. They need the same power over that property as a property association. And they want force instead of choice. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You that can't choose to not live in a city as you can choose not to be in a property owners association you just don't have to buy there but yeah, these cities are, are getting out of control and I don't know why Bart didn't call me and have me come up there to help, help make his case I've got experience city, with this deal and cities can even annex people. They can annex your property against your wishes. City governments are out of control. And the way they, that they do it is back asswards. I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong. City governments definitely need to be to brought, be brought back under control. It, it's crazy. They treat property owners as if they are tenants on their own land. No, they're telling I, them how I mean, much better it is to be under the control of the city. Right. I mean, well, the, the, uh, regarding that, you know, that works well. I've, I've heard of that model when the pimp possible. comes up to the prostitute, right, and, and says, I won't beat you, or the mobster comes up to the <laughs> to the alcohol, uh, to, you know, and tobacco stores and says, I won't burn down your store. It's a similar model, right? Yes, it is. Oh, it sure. But the difference is, is that, that the... the um, the, the power structure behind the government is much larger exactly. than the mob. It's even, lo- yeah. it's even larger. We got city government, we got county government, we got state government, we got federal government. Everybody in that chain gets paid. Every hog gets right. fed, baby. Right. Every and hog. You, and if you try to fight them, they, they will. They will. They will bring yeah, in the U.S. I, troops. I told. I told the municipal league recently when they came with their litany of requests on how to gut the Freedom of Information Act that they resurrected from 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 last term. Uh, you know, I thought those uh, corpses were rotting, but they were. But they, they they sort of stuck a stick up their butt and trying to make them stand up again. Uh, and they came in with them, and I said, and they said, well, you know, it's difficult for us to do some of these things. You know, we. It's. I said, you know what the saying is, folks. You can't fight City Hall. That's the saying. It's not you can't fight the little guy suing City Hall. It's you can't fight City Hall. So stop coming to me crying. You know, and someone told me recently, maybe it was you, Paul, that the Municipal League uh, um, is funded with By state dollars. Taxes, yes. With tax dollars. Hester was telling us that, I think. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So, in, so in the Capitol every day. Why don't you corner a few of your friend legislators and have them file a bill to stop government lobbying with government? Yep. With we're working dollars. on it. I mean, that should we be talked about that earlier. We talked about it for this state. Brenda, we talked to somebody specifically about that today. Uh, Brenda, but you're spot on. How is it when someone who works a nine-to-five job, they have a fixed schedule, they get in their car, their government-funded car, they drive down to the Capitol, and they ask for something that makes their job easier. How is and that, I'm paying for it. How is it that they are not being arrested for misusing taxpayer dollars for, for, for political well, it's advocacy? It's not that it just makes their job easier. It, it gives them more jobs and us less money yeah, and less yeah. freedom. Well, that was what let, let me was say talking this. about earlier what? is what? we're trying with our ethics bills to cut off anybody else from spending money, and they're going to spend their, our money lobbying against us. It's a good point, Joe. And wh- why is it that every agency has what they call a government liaison? Government liaison, that's called the head of the damn agency. 
What are they doing? Go do your job. We have to pay someone else a, a six-figure salary often to come down and lobby for their bosses to make their bosses' jobs easier. We should eliminate those positions. Well, then, then what, would, what would Nate Bell do to make a living? <laughs> Actually, I thought Nate said he wasn't going to take that position because there was some combination or something. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it just for doing it. What's yeah. that, Brenda? I talked over here. I'm sorry. Do what? what? It was his. Okay, he talked I'm saying next thing you'll, you'll hear is someone wanting to do away with task forces because we have committees already. You know, I'm all for any task force, any whatever you call it, as long as it's free. As go. long as we're not paying somebody. And I'm just sick and tired of paying uh, everybody and his brother-in-law. I'm not supporting it even for free. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't care one way or the other. I'm just right. saying, um, you know, we need to understand the system better. The, the voters need to understand, and then that they need to act on that understanding. Well, all they need to do is look at the conduit scorecards and the voter guides, and everything will be fine. Everything will be fixed. All right, so Joe and, and Brenda, you got to be happy today on a vote of 29 to 0, uh, Senate Bill 154, Six. 56, 156 passed. The uh, Freedom of Speech Bill came out of the Senate. It's on its way to the House. No more, no more uh, freedom zone, speech, Free speech, speech zones. zones and all of that crap. We're going to get rid of all of that because it had passed through, this, through the House here, I think, pretty easily. Congratulations, Dave. That's well, great. Well I, well, I thought the free speech zone was from coast to coast. Well, that's <laughs> what I always I say from we the, the, about. the Atlantic, Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean to Pacific Ocean, Canadian border to the Mexico border, freedom of speech or, reigns Or as we like America. to say, from the Canadian border to the wall. That's right, to right. the wall. Absolutely. <laughs> Good call. Absolutely. That's great. Absolutely. All right, we're going to so let you guys is, go. Uh, what's the status of Rapert's abortion bill? I haven't. Oh, it passed. Today. It passed oh, out of the uh, the Senate without a vote against it, and it is over in the House as well. It's going to pass, no problem. Perfect. Really kind of well, I'm hoping that we can teach Arkansas not that money compares to life, but it freedom and money are equivalents. <laughs> without your money, you have very little freedom. And so uh, well, I, I hope that we can teach our Kansans like they've learned about abortion. Okay, let me let me just say real quickly: some Democrats voted against Rapert's bill, but that's a non-vote anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was I mean, encouraged there for a moment. I thought maybe they were seeing the light. No, 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 no. They were upset that he wasn't killing newborn infants. They want to be like well, Massachusetts, it's, New it's York. It's a good day to hear that, especially what's going on in other states. And I'm hoping Arkansas can stop being uh, blue policy with red red leadership. That's correct. All right, I don't well, know if I've told go. you this before, but I, I think I'm a pro-choice person now. That, then that will solve the problem. I, I believe people should be able to choose whether or not to get pregnant or not. But once they do... You're done. Don't kill your don't kill your kids. All right. We appreciate you guys. Thank you much. We'll talk to you. We will not be on next Monday. It is President's Day. That is a day off. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you all, and all have right. a great week here. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. We are done today uh, here at the uh, the state capitol. 
Robert, thank you for coming over, thank making you, time friend. to be with us. And Always same with pleasure. you, Paul. God bless. Yes, sir. We'll have the power panel tomorrow. RD will not be here. I'm not sure if Jan Morgan is coming or not. If not, it'll just be me and Paul. But that's kind of the normal. Well, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll find people to come chat with us. Yeah, we're looking at Dotson coming in tomorrow to talk about this, these uh, pieces of legislation to um, codify some of the rules and stuff. regulations and things of that nature. So that that should be fun to talk about Bureau- as well. Bureaucracy. So uh, the Bible guys are on at five as well tomorrow. So until two o'clock tomorrow, have a great evening. Uh, make sure no gills are appearing on your neck or you're growing any kind of duck feathers. Drive safe. See you tomorrow. Yeah, be careful out on the highway. See you tomorrow at 2. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.